Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 37 of the big show, some Enforcer Base Podcast, and coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Very special guest today, uh, Matt Nickerson. And uh, it was great to finally sit down and talk with Matt. Um, I uh, We actually, uh, well, we talk about it in the interview, but um, I, I, I've spoken to Matt for a number of years on Twitter, just... Um, you know, in private message, and we kind of go back and forth, and I had asked him to come on the show, and he was just like, well, when I retire, I'll, I'll come on, and uh, and uh, we finally managed to set up a time, and uh, and uh, and it was great, and like I said, we go for about two hours, cover the whole deal, um, from junior all the way through to, uh, um, you know, the... Uh, the EI over the the EI league over the UK and uh, the uh, incident that sort of ended it all. We uh, we we break that down and uh, and Matt was and like I said, Matt was really honest. Talked about uh, you know lots of uh, teammates and opponents, and it was a it was a fun fun talk. And uh, you know, um, yeah, normally you know uh, I don't I, I won't have too much to say here on today's intro. I, every once in a while, I like to kind of get on here and rant and everything else but uh you know um i just hope like i said it's uh episode 37 i hope people go back and uh and, and check out the other episodes like i said i've had john morasti on um brad wingfeld uh josh mazer joey tedarenko on and on lots of great player interviews as well as fight fans and um Sunday's episode. Speaking of uh, of the UK, I had uh, Cardiff Devil legend uh, Mike McWilliam on as part of my uh, Vault episode. So please, I encourage uh, if you haven't listened to that, uh, I encourage you to go check that out. Uh, Mike was a great guest, great guy, and uh, HockeyCircles.com and uh, is a website that Mike's a part of. Uh, I encourage people to go check that out. And, uh, and like I said, part of the Hockey Podcast Network here, so all the NHL teams are covered, and of course those guys are busy now with the playoffs and everything going on. Um, whatever your team is, they are represented on the network, so I encourage you to check them out. Also, Terry Ryan, of course, is on the network, and, uh, you know, and Isha and Dylan and the boys are doing a great job. And uh, outside the network, of course, uh, Alec over at Five for Fighting, always doing good things, just uh, upload, finally uploaded the, the, uh, the episode of from hell with curtis tidbull not that tidbull is a great guest but just i know he had lots of audio issues and computer problems and microphone and on and on and uh i've been there so i know what those frustrations are like but uh, alec got it out so about three quarters of the way through it's it's really good and um 
Of course, Bobby, uh, Bobby over the Bucket Drop podcast, he's uh, got a couple more episodes in, and then I think he's sort of retiring for a while. And then, of course, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, uh, who's, uh, I know he's taking a little break here in the last couple of weeks just to kind of recharge and, and refocus, and uh, he'll be back at it, but he's got a great backlog of catalogs. He interviews all the Islander players, and uh, Joe does a great job, really in-depth, and, uh, you know, always good. But... Um, yeah, other than that, guys, um, you know, I got to throw throw this one at you. Um, I know, I know, you, a lot of my listeners out there are big jersey guys, and uh, you know, you're not into the knockoffs. You want the real stuff that the players are wearing. Well, I got a pretty good deal for you here. It's a sponsorship here at the network, and it's uh, CoolHockey.com. They've been around since 1999. They're NHLPA endorsed, and uh, if you use the promo code THPN at checkout uh you get 30 percent off and free shipping they're out of toronto and um and like i said I've, i always use the example um you know when i was at the mall and i was at jersey city in midtown here um they wanted 300 for the jerseys and it was like you know and you didn't have a choice it was like crosby or price or you know the you know the big name guys but if you wanted you know something different like in joe's case i would say i know joe's picking up an islander jersey and i'm not sure i couldn't remember if it was a Tchaikovsky or a yuri yuri Krupp that he was going to get but uh you know you could uh, get whatever you want whatever number you want and uh, it's hand sewn and like i said fight strap it's the it's the jerseys the guys wear on the ice and um you know i know when i filled it out it was uh i took a calgary flames third jersey put 16 mcgratton on the back hand sewn and it was 185.99 shipping included there you go can't beat that with a stick so uh like I said, they've, they've got a vintage section. All the teams are there. I don't know if they have any cracking stuff yet. I haven't gone back to look. I mean, they're going to if they don't yet, but um, they might have some stuff now. Um, but, yeah, coolhockey.com. Uh, like I said, 30% off free shipping. And, um, you know, I mean, you're getting the jersey anyway. And then by doing this, it also helps out the network. Um, they get a bit of a kickback, and uh, it helps uh, – my my outlaw mud show stay on the air and uh you know it helps those guys out and uh you know I'm, I'm like i'm not getting anything from it i'm just uh you know promoting it to help out the network and like i said they each and them i have the easy part i just hit record and then send them the mp3 file and they uh they do the rest so uh it keep it'll keep the network afloat uh and you guys get a jersey at a good price so there we go everyone wins but that's so that's coolhockey.com. And like I said, I've asked people about it and uh, all the feedback on this on the on the company has been uh, 100% positive. Great stuff and quick and every you know, everything uh that's advertised uh, happens so uh you know because like i said i've always said i'm not gonna endorse or tell you guys to go check something out if it's uh if it's just junk so i wouldn't do that to you and uh like i said i've asked around and the jersey people i talked to said that was a uh, top notch so there you go thpn upon checkout but uh yeah guys other than that uh you know another wednesday so new content um and then this sunday uh or every Sunday is a vault episode where I take one of my old player interviews. I'm not sure who I'm going to put up this weekend, but, uh, you know, come back, please. Uh, if this is your first time, uh, tune in. I know Matt's got a lot of UK, UK fans. So this is probably a lot of you if listening. Um, this is probably your first time uh, tuning in. So thank you. And, uh, again, I encourage you to go back and check out the other episodes. I've had Sean McMorrow on and, uh, and, and other UK players and, uh, Jeremy Cornish. He was great. 
and uh, lots of good stories. Like I said, we don't uh, we turn over every stone, and uh, and uh, you know some of the episodes are a little long, but you know I want I want to get the players on and and, and share their story and and their journey, and uh, and I think we we do that here. So uh, I hope you uh, guys enjoy it. Thank you very much. Like I said, I know there's a million podcasts out there, and uh, the fact you chose this one, I I greatly appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy it. And you come back for more, but. Uh, Let's get rolling. All right, here is my interview with Matt Nickerson. Thanks, guys. All right, here we are on the fourth line voice. And my guest all the way down in the United States of America, back from where we, Finland, is my boy yep. Matt Nickerson. Matt, how are you doing today? Good, Darren. Thanks for having me. been a big fan of uh, your Twitter account for a long time. I've, I've followed you for, I don't know, eight, ten years. And always good to see a refreshing point of view on ice hockey. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, you, you said that just like I wrote it. I appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> well, man, like you said, uh, no. I mean, we've talked back and forth for for a bunch of years. I remember talking to you while you were you were still playing, and you kept saying, "I'm gonna, I'll give you a, uh, we'll do a podcast, but I want to retire first. That's what I. So you're fine. We're. Uh, I guess it is. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> I guess we've reached the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well, we'll get into all your post-retirement activities and everything else but uh like i say on, on this show we kind of like to uh start at the beginning and uh where did you grow up where did you play your minor hockey uh, old line connecticut little little big bad old line uh town seven thousand here on long island sound uh 20 minutes 25 minutes from rhode island border and uh pretty pretty rural obviously um i played minor hockey in New London, Middletown, Enfield. Then I, my parent, my dad started driving me to uh, <clears throat> to Massachusetts, hour and a half one way for practice, two practices a week, two games in New Hampshire. We were driving like four hours sometimes. So we put a lot of miles on the car, blew up a couple cars in my early days of playing, which was fun. And, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of sacrifice from the parents to get, uh, Help me progress in ice hockey, especially as a young kid. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I I always think just the the amount of effort our our parents put in. Um, I know growing up, like with my brother and I, like we were a five diff, five year age difference. So of course, when it came to sports or whatever, I mean, I was going one way and he was going the other way, and because we were never on the same team or in the same you know pee wee and bantam and everything. So I said, I can't imagine. I mean, now I don't even have kids, and when I get home from work, I don't want to leave the chair after I sit down. I don't know how my parents did it, both working full-time and running around all over the countryside with us. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing the uh, sacrifices that the parents put in. Yeah, it's uh, very appreciative, and especially with ice hockey in, in southern New England, it's not there's not a lot of com- – well, at least when I was growing up, there's not a lot of competitive ice hockey down here, so – had to start heading up towards Boston or in New York, which are both, you know, Boston's two hours, New York City's an hour and a half. So it's, it's, you're driving no matter which way you're going. And it's a lot of miles. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, I mean, so going up, I mean, uh, I was kind of, when I was looking into your, uh, your career, um, the first thing I, I noticed was in the, uh, the IJHL, uh, with the uh, Connecticut Whalers, um, you were 15, correct? Yeah, I started at 14, <clears throat> junior B, 
that was a uh, that was a learning big welcome welcome to life when you're in the locker room with 20 and 21 year old guys and you're 14 years old yeah <clears throat> guys are talking about smoking weed and getting drunk and you know I, I was i had no idea what was going on it was it was crazy yeah like it was just uh, like was that just out of um there just really wasn't like triple a midget or anything or was it more just like you were you you just you were, were how big were you at the time did you grow late or were you that big early on I think I was uh, probably six one, six two, and I tried out for the New England New England Junior Coyotes, and they took another eighty five born Brian Cerullo. Ended up going to Northeastern, and they were like, "Listen, we're only going to take one. You know, you could play, but we're going to take this other guy." So my dad was like, "We didn't we, see. We don't have much hockey going on around here, especially mid, good midgets." So. Uh, I don't know. Somebody was just like, "Hey, there's this other junior team. Why don't you come out and played there two years?" And that's where I, you know, started fighting a little bit and started to get exciting. And you start to feel that rush. And you're like, "Whoa, this this, this is kind of this is real hockey. This is what I was watching when I was a kid. Now I'm actually playing it." Yeah. Well, I'm just kind of like in your in the, in the when you're a 15 year old year. Um, I know just looking at your stats. I mean, you had 22 games. You had 29 points and 140 penalty minutes. So I mean, you were you were taken to the league pretty good. Jeez, I didn't even <clears throat> I didn't even know. I I, I know that year, uh, my last year, 15, 16 year old year. I a few times I, I was getting in some fights and my my dad was getting mad. He was like, you got to stop doing that, play the game. And then, like, fast forward a couple years later into Texas, and he's coming down, and, you know, that's when I started kind of learning a little bit more, like some guys like Lee Jacobson, Chris Gerke, Jason Blumenberg. I had some older, tough guys on that team, and and then he started to start to relax and not be so, you know, like stop fighting, anti-fighting. Then he started embracing it, and he started loving it. You know, if he, if he was at a game and – I, I pumped somebody or had a decent fight. He was the first guy after the game to be like, "That was sick." <laughs> That's uh, well, well, that goes to like. So when you were younger, were you always? Did you kind of just naturally kind of go to the physical side? Were you always aggressive, <laughs> or did you kind of come later? Uh, I was a, I was a giant puss until I was like thirteen or fourteen, maybe. Like I remember in like phantoms and squirts like somebody would punch me in the head and i'd skate away and then i think all of a sudden it kind of started it just changed and i was like i want to do the punching i don't want to be getting i I don't i want to be the hammer i don't want to be the nail but yeah it it wasn't something that came naturally at a younger age but then you know being a big guy you always hear like you know you got to be ready to do it so why not just get out there and do it and get ahead of it and you know, maybe, maybe go go looking for it before uh, they come looking for you. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, uh, and like you said, you brought up the the Texas tornado, um, the NA. It seems like we're having a lot of NAHL conversation on here. I had a I had uh, Drew Pelto, the commentator here last uh, last Wednesday. He was a commentator for the. Uh, Wildcats there, uh, Wichita Falls, and uh, so now we got another uh, NAHL alum here. Um, how did you end up with the Texas Tornado? 
Uh, there was a there was a guy coaching the Boston Junior Blackhawks, Richie Salesman, and he was like a scout for the Tornado. So uh, I had some interest from like a couple of USHL teams. I can't Waterloo Blackhawks or something, and somebody else. I don't know. And he was like, "Hey, don't just go go to this trial camp in Minneapolis. It was just like a weekend tryout. <clears throat> Fly out there, me and my dad. You know, I was sixteen, really." pretty young and had like a good first scrimmage next scrimmage there was this guy zach hedrick he played for uh, great falls americans and tony curtali awesome awesome coach one of one of the better coaches i had in all my my time playing he was the coach of the tornado comes out he's like hey uh big big guy you uh you fight this guy zach hedrick and this guy's like 20 i'm like he's had a ton of fights in america west and the A-dub. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I got to do it. I'm like, this is what you want to do. You got to do it. Fought him. Decent fight. And then after the scrimmage, he was like, took a lot of balls for you to do that. He's like, I want you to come play for my team. I was like, sweet. Yes. So packed up. Uh, 16, moved to Texas. Said goodbye to my parents, which was tough. But it was a, it was a great move and one that... Uh, I had so much fun, grew up, matured a lot as a, as a young adult during those years and learned a lot from Tony and my teammates down there. It was a, it was a great time. Yeah, and like I said, it's, uh, you know, you, you threw a couple names out. And uh, one of the names was famously, because, um, uh, uh, well, you and I were talking about this on the phone last night, uh, Joffrey Lupul in his Spit and Chiglets interview talks about this guy at the end, and there's a YouTube video of it. And uh, but one of your teammates, and speaking of tough, was Lee Jacobson. Um, what, what, so you're a 16 year old in, and this cat's sitting there. Uh, what were your first impressions of Lee? And uh, you know, you got any uh, Lee Jacobson stories? Super, Lee was awesome. Super good guy. He's from like the south side of Chicago, which is he always said was a really rough part of town. Um. He introduced me to Beirut or Bags or Cornhole, like 2000 or 2001. I'd never played it before. Uh, well, one league was tough, too. Like, nobody in the league would fight him. That was my first year with Texas. I played a lot with him on D. He was an older guy, maybe 20-year-old. No one would fight him. So then, like, guys would fight me. Like, I fought, like, George Cantrell played, yep. played pro in, like, the coast or something and came back to juniors. And, like, he wouldn't fight Lee, and, I, and Lee was trying to fight him. So, like, I fucking whacked him. I'm like, I'll go. Yeah, and he just dropped his shit. We started fighting. I was like, sweet. And all my teammates loved it. But <clears throat> one time I was on the bench with Lee in a home game, and he was like, hey, I can't go out. And I'm like, dude, you all right? And he was like, having an acid flashback. And I was like, what? I had, I, like, I had no idea. He's like, I took a huge hit in the corner, and my back cracked. And I was, I had no idea what was going on. I'm still not sure what happened there or, or what, what that, what that was all about, but his eyes were all messed up and he sat out the last like five minutes of the game. Awesome guy. Very tough. I mean, he then came back to pro hockey and made a good run. Uh, I remember him like fighting like Peter Worrell. Yeah. Like, that, 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 was, that, that was a tough one, that Peter Worrell one. Yeah. 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 But he had a good run there for yep. a while. 
yep. coming back and playing pro. And I, I don't, I think he didn't even play for a bunch of years. Yeah, I think he like took two years off, and then next thing he'd always played for the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks and in the American League, and then he went down to Mississippi and plugging it back out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, fight Todd Fedork three times in his return game, and. Yeah, then tells the Phantoms bench, I got three more in me tomorrow, boys. You know, and they're just like, what? Who is this guy? He's a bouncer that they just went and got. I'm like, actually, now that I hear that story, I was like, you talk about a guy that was like tailor-made for the LNAH. Oh, it, he should have went there. Yeah, yeah, Lee, Lee was Lee was a mutant. Mutant in a good way. Like, tough, lanky, big, yeah. you know, and, and just love to mix it up at times. Yeah. Well, I just kind of mentioned, I'll just throw this out just off to the side, because you had to. How many How many times did you get called by the LNAH? Uh, quite a bit. It's even even to this day, they, yeah. uh, Jean-Kier still, still puts feelers out. But uh, Did you I ever know, entertain man, that, it? Did you ever think about it? Um, not really, because, you know, uh, playing in Europe and... Listen, man, I enjoyed I enjoyed what I did, but I don't know if I would have enjoyed what I did in the LNAH. Well, that's a that's whole a other animal market. there, yeah. yeah. There's just straight mutants. Yeah, yeah. Well, that it's kind of at that time when it was kind of really cooking, you were just sort of getting going. Like, you were still in junior and, you know, that old 506, you know, you were just kind of getting going, so... Yeah, I mean, not to, not knocking the guys now, but I was just sort of looking at it from like when you know Morasti and Bosse and Terrio and all oh, those. Terrio just finished playing, but Bosse and Morasti and those guys and Maxwell and all those guys were there, sugged in and yeah, just murders. Yeah, well, oh, that's yeah, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. The anxiety going into games is high in that league. Yeah, very high. Well, it's interesting you brought that up. How was? Uh, uh, overall, how how did that affect you? Did you uh, like well, this is a perfect example? I mean, you, so you get to Texas, and I mean, you're there with Chris and and Lee and that and them, and obviously you're fighting more. Um, is it? Uh, how did you adapt to the, you know, the pregame and and the nerves and and mentally? When did you start, uh, or do you ever get used to it? Uh, it wasn't bad for me until I think I, I moved to the queue because then there were guys that had a lot more experience, like, you know, two or three years of like 30 fights. And I think I had like 30 fights total. Yeah. Like ice hockey fights going into, into that year. So I started feeling the nerves there. And then from then on, it never went away. Yeah. You know, even, even in fights that I, when I would go into a game, thinking that I'm going to fight this guy and knowing that I should, you know, you could say you should win all day, but sometimes you could, you could wake up and you could be looking at the ceiling. So, you know, it it doesn't matter what you should win. You're going to lose some fights and the nerves were high. I mean, some, some afternoons you can't sleep before, before the pregame nap because you're thinking about, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I get him on the first shift? Should I wait? A, should I wait a little bit? And then it's never for me. It was never good to wait. If I needed to fight somebody, I needed to go out and do a first shift, and then then you could kind of settle in and play. Yeah, or at were, least at least get it off your chest. Were you a video guy? 
Did you watch a lot of fights of guys that you knew you were going to have to fight? That was my downside. Yeah. You watched because too much? You're just watching, like, you're just watching these guys pump other dudes. Yeah. And they're just pumping them, pumping them, pumping them. And you're like, in your head, you're just like, God, this guy's a fucking monster. This guy's just a murderer. Yeah. And I think it would have been better if I didn't watch and just went out there and was like, dude, fuck you, let's go. Yeah. Basically, just find out what hand he is and just go from there. <laughs> yeah, really. That's, that's that's really all you really need to know. Yeah, I, I mean that would have done me done me some justice. But that's interesting. When, uh, well, and then just when when you when, I mean, so you fall into the like basically, you know, a couple years of Texas, and then you go to the queue, and I mean, it's basically, you know, that's obviously a big part of your game at this point. Um, when did you become comfortable fighting? Like, when did it slow down and you can kind of think about what you're going to do? Because I know the first few fights is sort of spazzy and you're all, you know, whatever. You're just fighting out of, you know, fear. But when Panic, did it become, yeah. like, you slow down and now you're starting to think about what you're doing? Uh, I think I, I think I didn't really get comfortable until Fife. And, really? and later. Okay. Yeah, that's when I started to get more confidence. You know, because I, I, I got, I lost, I fought some tough guys in the American League, yeah. like DJ King, Brad Norton, Tedarenko. And, but then I think I was in Finland for a bit and there wasn't much going on. And then I went back to the EI where I knew it was going to be, there were some guys. And then I think after that first year, I, I did, I did pretty well. I, I handled myself well. And then the second year, Starting out, I, I was I was pretty confident. Uh, our rival team brought in Fitzy, who's a, who's just a mutant, and uh, so I knew they were bringing him in because we played them like six times. So I'm like, well, how many times are we going to go? Yeah, it's going to be a long year. Yeah. Well, we'll get into all that, but uh, we'll go back. We'll go back to Texas here. Actually, one of the names I wanted to bring up to you that you played against in your very in your first year. Um, you, well, you mentioned George Cantrell. I mean, people out there listening will know who he was. But another name was John Scott. Yep, played for the Chicago Freeze. He, yep. I don't think he he fought that much. He wasn't. He was a huge dude, uh, but he wasn't. I think my teammate Chris Gerke fought him the year before, or maybe he fought him that uh, that year. I'm not sure, but he wasn't he wasn't like enforcer John Scott. At least when we played him in the uh, in the NHL. I mean, mind you, my team had I was a, a 16 year old, and my team had Lee Jacobson, Chris Gerke, J- Jason Bloomingberg. We had like we had by far and away the toughest team in that league, yeah. and so when we played anybody. It was hilarious. Like, guys would shut down everybody, and then they would look at me, you know, the last guy willing to fight. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Okay, I'll take you. Young guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, Chris Kirk, you mentioned him a few times. People uh, listed. I mean, he, he, went, he played college, and then he uh, played a year in the United Hockey League with the Chicago Hounds and, uh, and Port Huron. So uh, that's probably, if, you've, uh, if you're a minor league fan, that's where you've heard that name. And... Uh, yeah, well, and then the uh, well, and after that, then the following year, you know, you're back in Texas uh, in 47 games. You led the NA in penalty minutes with 277, and um, one of the names that came up, I, I saw on the leaderboard there was uh, Hank Caricio. 
Yeah, yeah, solid Connecticut guy. Yeah. You yeah, got- Hank. Didn't fight him, no. No? Chased him around a bit. <laughs> no, never never got a chance. Hank's a good guy. I've talked to him uh, since we played against each other years ago. He's from, I think he grew up in Cheshire, which is like, I don't know, 30 minutes from me. So pretty local, especially in the junior hockey world when you're, when he's in Springfield, Illinois, and I'm in Texas. Yeah, and uh, well, that was a tough, you guys had a hell of a year. And unfortunately, you lo- it looks like you lost to Pittsburgh in the final. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bummer. We had a good team. We had a really good team. And uh, the, those Texas Tornado teams always were good. Uh, the, I think the year I left to go to school, they went on like a three-year three, three year consecutive run of winning that league. So, yeah, I well, missed out. And your leading scorer Maybe it was because was- I left. Bill McCreary? Yeah, Billy. B, Billy, He uh, went to Providence and then Wayne State and coaches coaches in Connecticut, Danbury Hattricks, or is the GM right now. Yeah, and uh, folks will listen. Huntsville, he played in the SP in the uh, in the Southern Pro for a while and, uh, you know, put up some points, put up some PIMS. And, uh, yeah, you had, you had a few characters on that team when I was, I was going through it. And, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of guys went on to college and uh, – yeah, it's uh, Billy the Mega Rat. What's that? Mega Rat. Ma- Bit Billy, Mega Rat. Mouth was so mouthy on the ice. Yeah, would get under everybody's skin, chirping. Oh, it's too funny. But the um, well, and you got uh, well, and then from that, uh, did you get? You got drafted out of the NHL, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you <clears> go. <throat> uh, 2003 NHL entry draft. Uh, you're drafted 99th overall by the Dallas Stars Record. in the third round. How big of a thrill is that? Oh man, it was it was awesome because I'd been going to so many Dallas Stars games when I was down there. You know, seeing like Erskine, Ott, Downey, and then getting drafted and going into the locker room like you know that in that summer and seeing where these guys sit and Mo, Madano and Mini Mo, Moro, and then going to training camps after uh after I left school. It was it was crazy. Awesome. It was like a hometown it was it would have been like your hometown team drafted you kinda of for me. Did you have a lot of interaction with them? Like did you know did you have a good feeling they were gonna take you or was it a surprise? It was a surprise. I actually I mean my agent was saying it was going to be, you know, somebody else like Carolina or something was going to take me with the hundredth overall pick, and then it came out of we had no idea, no idea, and I don't even. Oh, I interviewed with them when I was in high school, but uh, hadn't talked to them. You know, you go to the draft. You do. I did a bunch of interviews with a bunch of different teams, and one of the quick story. One of the interviews was with the Florida Panthers, and Doug McLean was the GM at the time. Yep. And he he sits me down, and there's like a whole bunch of guys in the room. You're just nervous and scared as fuck because you don't even know who some of these people are. And he was like, so you fight a little bit. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I mix it up. And he's like, uh, if you were playing against my guy, Peter Worrell, would you fight him? And I was just like, well, I'd have to, wouldn't I? He's like, that's what I like to hear. He's like, I like that. Okay. I like, Jesus, I couldn't even imagine sitting next to Peter Worrell right now. I was, you know, 18 years old. 
Yeah. Did yeah. Well, you hear some of the horror, like you've heard some of the stories about the the draft interviews. I don't know if you've ever heard the the Terry Ryan Mike Milbury story when he was getting that draft story when that interview uh, when Milbury was the GM of the Islanders and he was just starting giving it to Terry in their interview. And did you did you have any uh, like were any of the interviews like? And you hear some of like they just ask like these really wacky questions and they try to make you really feel uncomfortable. Did you get any of that? Yeah, there was some weird questions, but it's been so long I can't can't remember them exactly. But the only real good memory I had from all the interviews was the Doug McLean and then a couple like wing. I would have to jump on a scale in in the hotel room and like I had my shoes on and I weighed I weighed one time like two fifty one with my shoes and I had a suit on. And they were like, oh, my God, you got to take your shoes off. And I was like, shit, that's a little heavy right now. I was like, I've been eating too good on this trip down to Nashville. I, can't, I need to get on the treadmill. But they, uh, yeah, well, so, were, like, were you at the draft or were you at home when you got picked? Or were you there? No, I was there. Yeah, yeah. I was there. Uh, we, it, we drove down, did a bunch of interviews uh, in the days leading up and then stayed and you know, to our surprise, ended up going right at the end of the first day. So it was, it was really cool. Well, that's awesome. And uh, so that fall, did you? Uh, is that when uh, did you go to Traver? Did you go to the Traverse City camp then, or did you go to college first? I went to college. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So you go to uh, uh, Clarkson University, and um, now was that sort of always going to be the plan, or? Uh, did kind of like what or or because you went you, the following year you go to major junior you go to the Quebec League. Um, what made you go? Like, were you gonna? What made you go to college? We'll put it that way. My um, it was it was my parents. They you know they wanted me to get an education in case hockey. You know, yep, never worked out, and you know that was I would recommend that to other kids, young kids coming up if. You know, go to if you can go to the U.S. college route, gives you more time to develop. And then if hockey doesn't work out, you have an education you, you got for free, hopefully, and you can move on. But I was going to Michigan. Uh, Danny Richmond hadn't left. And so at the draft, Dallas was like, hey, you know, we know Danny Richmond's gonna, not going to leave right away, so you got to go to Clarkson. And they were like, we already have the scholarship. You just got to sign it. They're like, that's where you're going to go. It was basically like they were telling me what I was going to do. Yeah. I was like, okay, yep, yes, uh, sure thing. When do you want me to be there? Yeah. So we went to Clarkson, and then at the end of that year was the lockout was coming in, was looming. Yeah. And the whole reason I went to Major Junior was because I signed with Dallas right before the lockout, and then – so I lost my eligibility for school. So then, uh, and we didn't have an American. We, we shared, we had like 12 spots on an American league team that year. And they had Dallas was like, we do not want you to go to the coast to start out. And they were like, go play major junior. And I was like, yes, sir. I will. you don't, you don't tell them what you're going to do. They'll tell you what you're going to do. Yeah. Well, 
Well, so you go. Well, I laugh because you go to Clarkson, and I, you, thirty-eight games. You have one hundred and seventy-nine minutes in college hockey. So it's like, uh, all right, you're, you're far and away the league leader. Um, uh, what was your? Now, and of course, you have to wear full cages and all that. Um, what was your? And you go from a. I'm a, in the NA. You were wearing half visors, right? I, I kept the full cage because I knew I was gonna going to go to school after that year, so I never actually went to the halfer. Okay, but you, but nonetheless, you come from a league where you can. Nonetheless, you come from a league where you could fight. To now, all of a sudden, you go to college where you can't. Um, how frustrating was that? Yeah, it was. I, I still tried like really hard. One time we played Mark Stewart. Mark Stewart uh, played in NHL forever. He uh, he was playing for Colorado College. And he came to Clarkson. And I can't remember what happened, but I took my helmet off, dropped my gloves in front of him. And I was like, come on, come on, because I knew it was pretty tough. Like, And no, it didn't happen, but all the fans were like, oh, my God, this guy's crazy. Like, what is he doing? Like, you know, college kids don't realize that you could take your helmet off and actually fist fight. Yeah. They were blown away that somebody tried to do that. They're like, you're, you're fucked up. Like, eh, not so much, but it's it's normal in other in other leagues. Yeah. Now, well, and then like the so like you said, the following year you go you sign you, you go play uh, major junior, and uh, like you said, I guess they they kind of picked did they pick Victoriaville for you? No, I had been drafted by them, so I okay. there was no yeah there was no other option. I couldn't go anywhere else, so it was it was Victor or bust. Because I was, was going to ask you what made you pick the Quebec League over like Ontario or the Dub, but uh, well, there's your answer. All right. Yeah, it's from living in New England. John Green, the GM, awesome guy. I think he's in Bathurst now. He uh, really took care of me up there. Uh, he's been, you know, involved in junior hockey in Quebec for years, and he's a super guy and knows a lot about the game. But Victor was fun. Uh, the league was tough. We had a lot of tough guys. Yep. Corm- Kevin Cormier, yep. Pierre-Luc LeBond, oh, who else? Well, like, a whole, whole slew of them. Yeah, Jimmy well, Bono. Jimmy Bono, Ryan Hand, Marty Doyle, uh, Nathan Saunders, um, Chaz Johnson. <laughs> yeah, my buddy. My buddy. Yeah, well, yeah, you're you're not a big fan of Chaz Johnson? No, he, he elbowed me in the head one time. I knocked me unconscious. Hit my face off the ice, got like twenty seven stitches above my eyebrow, like leading all the way from one end of the eyebrow to the other. Mm-hmm. And then, then I the next game, he fights me first shift, like opening draw, and like I didn't, you know, I didn't get enough hands on his face for my liking for the amount of damage that was done to me. So I, like, I have the video somewhere. I'm skating to the penalty box, and I'm like, we're going again. And like I was smiling, I'm like we're going again. That's not enough. Like I, I need more than that. And then it, nothing wouldn't fight me. Chase him around. I was really upset with him. Really, really upset. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would like to get another shot at that one. Yeah, I don't blame you. But uh, well, I know one of the guys you fought was uh, you, and you had mentioned him was uh, Kevin Cormier, who was pretty much viewed as uh, he was kind of the t- league champ, wasn't he? That's kind of how he was. Yeah, he had, he had the belt, man. Yeah, Big yeah. lefty. And uh, I wasn't really good at fighting lefties 
you know, it's it's always weird when when you get a big guy and you you know he's throwing left and I'm throwing rights. I mean, I'm not going to throw left with you, but you know, like that Jeff, like when we were talking about Jeff Hodges. Yeah, I'm not throwing left. You know, it's just going to be right. So let's see what happens here. Yeah, let's grab on and let's see what goes. But he he did really well. He was running through the league. Yeah, no, he was. He, he was a bad dude. I mean, uh, yeah, just going back and watching the video, like I said, being out west, we didn't see a lot of the Quebec guys, but you go, but thank God for YouTube, right? You go onto YouTube and watch, and uh, yeah, he hit, poof. Yeah, and well, and another guy, of course, that went on and played, you know, in the minors forever and fought everyone, and, and I know you fought him as well, was uh, Pierre-Luc LeBlanc, old PL3 there. How did that go? Yeah, that was in Victoriaville. Uh, decent fight. Right at the end, he he punched me right in the temple, and just my eyes went black. That was the first time in my career that had happened. But decent fight. I remember. I, yeah, he's a tough guy, man. He went on to have a great career. Some of his fights in the NHL, you know, he's like a Cam Jansen style fighter. Hangs in there, long fights, just cardio drags guys into the deep end, throws both hands. I'm glad I got him in the early days then, not in the later days. Yeah, well, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he was, yeah, he's a bad dude. I think uh, I actually seen he just played, like, a few games recently, he's right? Play, like he, last yeah, he plays in the LNH, yeah. Ugh. And it's it, so him, Cormier does too. Yeah, they, uh, in, the L, in the LNH, uh, LeBlanc retired, and he was, a, he's a realtor, and then, uh, yeah, he just came out and, yeah, played. And after, I think he was retired for two years and then came back and played in the LMH and just, like, just beat the shit out of people still, you know? So, yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, who else came out of retirement and played in that league, too? Bordelow. Isn't Bordelow playing, too? Yeah, he's there. And, uh, or he was. I don't know. I, something might have happened with his money. I don't know if he's there anymore. But And then, oh, damn, who's the other guy? Oh, Gerald Moriarty. Yeah. For all you old-time LNH fans, Gerald Moriarty came out of... Now he really came out of retirement. I think he was gone for almost 10 years he came back and played. I'm like, oh my God. Right. I couldn't imagine not playing for t- 10 years and then jumping back into the LNH. Like, Jesus. You know. Oof. That hurts. Well, give yourself a couple more years. Maybe we'll see uh, Matt Nickerson rolling <laughs> yeah. around the LNH. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably not but uh, actually I guess I kind of jumped ahead when we were talking about the um, after your year in Clarkson you went to uh, Dallas camp right yeah 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 how did that uh, I have it written down when when were you at the Traverse City tournament was that like a two because I know you fought you fought Anthony Peluso and Jared Bowl in Traverse City I know that do I have that no 506 yeah that like, did you go to Dallas camp and then go to Traverse City like a year later? Yeah, yeah. I think <clears throat> I played an exhibition game with Dallas in Edmonton, 0506. Yeah. Sco- scored my first shift and then played that season in Finland. Yeah. The, the Finnish Elite League. And then I think I went to Traverse City the next year, maybe. Like, the. Because, like, Bowl's a bit younger, a couple years younger, I think. Or is he? I don't know. Yeah, I just know, sure. looking at your timeline, it was, it was, like, it just said 2007. So I think it was, like, 06, 07. I think it was the year you yeah, played in Idaho. Yeah, next year. Yeah. 
Okay. Yep. Yep. Then I came back and played Iowa, Idaho that year. Yeah. So it would have probably been. Yeah. In that year. Oh yeah. Oh six. Oh seven. That sounds right. Because then you were in Idaho and stuff. But yeah. But you were in camp the years. That just seems weird. I, I, it's funny looking at your career. You sort of uh, you kind of take this weird approach, like uh, that that most don't go this route. You like you're Finland and you come back and you know you're in main camp and then all of a sudden you're in the rookie tournament the next year. It's usually the other way around. But uh, how were the we didn't? I don't think camp? Dallas had a rookie team. Sorry, I don't think Dallas had a rookie camp team in those in my first two years or first year. Okay. Well, well, your first Dallas camp, let's talk about that. Like, So you get there, like you said, Medano and all those guys are there. And what was that experience like? Sergey so, so I'm like, I'm, I, I do really bad when I give blood, and we got to give blood. And so I'm like, you have all these stations, you're testing, you know, then you got medicals, and then. So I'm, like, leaving off the blood because I'm, like, kind of waiting for everybody to clear out. I'm going to, like, lay down and so I don't pass out. <clears throat> and I'm just kind of, like, milling about. And and the me- these media guys are, like, they're, like, running back and forth. They're, like, asking me. They're, like, have you seen Zuby? And I'm, like, Sergey Zubov? They're, like, yeah. And I'm, like, no. I'm, like, fuck, why do you think I would know where he is? Like, look at me. I sh- shouldn't even be here. So... <laughs> All of a sudden, Zubov like pops in a in an exit door to the practice rink, and then the, the media guys come running down and they see him. They're like Zuby, where have you been? He was like, I was outside having a cigarette. And they're like, We gotta go. You've got media obligations. And I was like, No way. Zubov just told these dudes he was outside having a dart, and nobody <laughs> gave nobody gives a fuck. He can do whatever he wants. I was like, This is amazing. Yeah, well, you're the old vet in, uh, in the NHL. Yeah, nobody's going to start questioning your shit. Um, the year you were there was that the year Shane Corson was there? No, I, I don't. I don't remember him. No, <clears throat> I was there. I was there. Matthew Barnaby was there. Awesome guy, super funny. I was rehabbing a shoulder, like a sh- I had shoulder surgery. I was rehabbing, so I stayed in Dallas for like an extra month, and I was at every game, like kind of milling about in the locker room, but not, like, in the locker room, you know? Yeah. And one time, Barney fought Mitch Fritz in an XE in uh, in Dallas. Mitch was playing for Tampa. Fuck, Mitch Fritz is, like, what, 6'8", six, 6'9"? Six, yeah, something like that, yeah. Barney had no no real business fighting Mitch Fritz, but does anyway because the guy's an animal. Comes in the locker room, and he's like, Hey kid, you see me get my shit pushed in out there? I was like, <laughs> I was howling. I was like, what an awesome dude, man! Doesn't take himself too seriously. Super friendly, nice to the young guys. Yeah, they. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, like overall, when you're, like you said, you were there for a while. Uh, well, you were there when Lindros was there, right? Yeah, yeah. How how was how was the big E to you, or did he even have anything to do with you? <laughs> Uh, we were, I think that was also when my, sh- I was rehabbing my shoulder from the surgery. So I, I missed kind of the first month of the season and we were, he was hurt or something too. This guy's massive, dude. He was like, he was like two, he was like 265 yep. and there wasn't much fat on him. Yeah. So we were like doing bike. We were, it would be me and him while everybody skated, you know, riding the bike, going through these tests. 
And like growing up, I had a bunch of I had a million hockey posters all over my room, on the walls. And one time, like this is probably like a week in us riding, then we'd go get in like the hot tub. Then he would run me through his like hot tub cold tub circuit, so we go back and forth, and it sucked. But he's like, he's like, kid, you got to do it. So I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna fucking say no to Eric Lindros. <clears throat> on the bike with him, and we just get done with this like awful workout. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, hey, E, I, I, have, I had a poster of you on my wall when I was a kid. And he looks at me. He's like, what are we fucking dating? <laughs> and I was like, no. I, no, I probably shouldn't have said that. I was like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's, it's, you know, what the hell? I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know. Uh, but at that being point, a fanboy. Well, you know, we're all fanboys at heart, but it, it must be, but yeah, but that would be like a weird feeling. You're sitting there, and yeah, there's the guy that was on your wall, and now you're like, like playing, he's a colleague. Like, that's, that's fucking He up. should that's be cool. a Hockey Hall of Famer, dude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just. Absolute animal in his early days in yeah. Philly. Yeah. Just running everybody over, fighting guys, scoring 50. Ugh, he was a beast. Yeah, and I mean, you know, obviously Dallas, that was kind of his last run. I mean, that was I think that was his last year he ever played, I think. Um, I think so, too. Yeah, but but overall, oh, he was all right, I think though. he went to Toronto. Sorry, he, go, he went to Toronto, maybe. Was it Toronto before? I thought it was before that, but... Uh, oh, I could be wrong. No, it was Toronto before that. No, that, that year was his last Sorry. year in, in Dallas. He played okay. the one year, 49 games, yeah. And it was, uh, you know, obviously with the injuries and everything, I mean, but man, when he was in his prime... Oof, there wasn't, uh, but like, but overall, like he was all right to you though. Yeah, he was, a, he was a really good guy, man. Invited me over for dinner. And I, you know, I, everybody always says he was awful, but maybe, you know, I, he was awesome to me and he didn't need to be, I was just a schmelt. I was a rock pile, you know, who ends up never playing any games in the NHL anyway. So he could have been a total douche and he wasn't. I mean, so many good guys. You know, Stu Barnes was awesome. He used to pick me up from the hotel all the time. Barnaby was awesome. Like, so many good guys that, you know, went out of their way to be nice when they didn't have to, which was super super cool. And I sing their praises to this day for the experience I had around them. Was uh, was was Steve Ott annoying, as annoying off ice as he was on ice? <laughs> <laughs> I was awesome, man. He played. He played. He came down and played a couple games with us in Iowa, and like, you know, bought like a bought like a massive, you know, the old iPods that had like the scrolly wheel. Yeah, that's how long ago this was. And he was like, "If we, if you got, if we win this game, boys, this this iPad is for the, or this iPod is for the team." We ended up winning, and he gave us that straight out of the box iPod. So he was he was pretty cool. And, uh, but yes, he's a rat on the ice. Oh, I'm sure a lot of people hated him. Oh, yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted. But I'm, I was just thinking, imagine having him and friggin' Barnaby on the same team. It's like, oh my god. And I think they had even uh, Sean Avery there for a minute too. No, yeah, well, I, mean, I don't know, maybe. Or was that the next year? I don't know. All my years are all messed up. Down there. Yeah, well, Chris Barch was there too. There's another guy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's like Sador Medano. How was Medano? Super quiet, awesome guy. 
hit his own he hit his own shower head in the in the practice rink, and it was a uh, like one of those rain showers. Oh, I hate those. You know, so it was all just like. <laughs> <laughs> but no one was alive. like all the older guys would be like don't you dare use Madonna's shower head I'm like he's not even in here <laughs> <laughs> when he comes in I'll leave I'm like okay I, you know you don't you're not gonna say say boo to Jason Arnott or somebody else when they tell you don't use that fucking shower head kid <laughs> okay which shower head can I use <laughs> yeah that's a well yeah well hey there you go folks there's some inside for the dallas star mike madano had his own shower head there we go uh rain shower head rain shower i hate those bloody things but rain shower head yeah well i mean when you're when you're run show in dallas for that many years you can have your own shower head but uh greatest american born skater of all time there you go yeah and uh well, speaking of great skaters, actually, I, I completely missed him when we were talking about the Quebec League uh, when you played in the, uh, in the queue. Um, of course, you played against Sidney Crosby, and who had 168 yeah. points that year you were in the league. <laughs> how, how ridiculous was playing against Crosby? Man, he was so good. He, uh, first time we played them, it was like in their barn in Ramouski, yep. and my coach is like, you're going you're gonna to match up against Crosby. I'm like, dude, I'm going to shut this kid down. I'm like, this kid's a joke. I think he had, like, set his record. He had five points that night. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, my head was spinning after the game. I'm just like, jeez. The kid's his lower body strength was insane. He'd, like, lean into you on the corner. And I'm, like, used to, you know, at that time, just, like, chucking a guy with one hand. And I wasn't checking him around, and he was young. Yeah. Was like, oh man, this is this is rough. And then when he came to our rink, I think he got like a dollar. He got a Canadian dollar or like a dollar and a half off every ticket sold for away games. That was the rumor, at least. I don't. I can't. I can't say that for sure, but that's what we heard. Really? Well, they, well, hey, there yeah. you go. That's a hell of a racket. Yeah. Yeah, he was huge. We that was the only time we sold out. Or they had extra like folding chairs for when we played Ramuski and Vitko. Yeah, well, yeah, and uh, of course Ramuski, of course, went on and won the league. And uh, um, oh, I forgot your coach was uh, LeBeau, Stefan LeBeau. Yep, Steph LeBeau. Yeah, former yep. Montreal Canadian. How was he? Ah, uh, he was a good guy, great coach, a lot of knowledge. He uh, he brought in Serge, Robert, Serge and Mario Roberge. Oh yes. Teach a few. Yeah, we had them. They came in and like showed it. We put on like you know our shoulder pads, our elbow pads, and our jerseys, and they gave us you know lessons off the ice on grappling. And at the time, I didn't realize how much how big a minor league just legends those guys were at the time. But I do. Yo, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, the Reverse Brothers are ridiculous. How tough those guys were. Did you hear? Did you listen to my Mike McWilliam interview when he's talking about fighting Serge? No, I well, didn't. Well, McWilliam fought Serge, and he said he tied me up so bad. He goes, I had to skate off the ice after our fight was done, and the trainer had to cut him out of his jersey because he couldn't get out of it. That's how much he had tied him up. He said it was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> And he goes, that, and you fought for two minutes, too. So for two minutes, he tied me up like a Christmas present. And then he had, they had the trainer had to cut him out of his jersey. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. 
But yeah, oh, Robert's just like you go back and like on the on YouTube, you just go back and watch the stuff, and it was just like the guy was just a, just a technician, right? And you're like, yeah, both hands and so grapple. technical. Well, yeah, and it's the thing like you'd watch for a while, and like it'd be twenty seconds of like wrestling around, and you're like, what you know, what are we doing here? And then all of a sudden, it was just like he'd explode and just start like drilling the guy, you know. Meanwhile, this guy's thinking Serge has three arms by this point, and it's like. Yeah, all ridiculous. Yeah, how tough those two were. But, uh, yeah, so, well, overall, how was your experience in Quebec and just, uh, you know, living up there and in the French environment, and uh, what did you think of it? Uh, it was it was a little rough at first. You know, sometimes you'd, like, try to order food, and they would be, I'd be like, hi, do you speak English? And they would just, like, ignore you, but... Oh, yeah. I started to get it, you know, once you, once you put in a little effort with the Francais, then, then, uh, it, it got a lot smoother. So they'll work with I you. learned quick. Yeah. Yeah. Even as shitty as it was, <laughs> could I get the, uh, poulet, <laughs> the chicken? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they, they, but it was, it was fun. Our, the bouncer at our, at our local bar in Victoriaville, Le Vagion, Le Vagion, uh, Jonathan Goulet went on to fight in the UFC, so that was cool. He fucked up a few guys outside the bar while we were there. Every all the French guys were like, "Whatever you do, do not fuck around with this guy," because he literally beats guys up every weekend at this bar. And I was like, "Well, take note of that." Didn't didn't ever get in a, a tilly outside with him. Thank God. <laughs> he went on to be in be a UFC fighter. I'm like, dude, there he is. There's Jonathan. Well, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, well, a big dude like you, you know, you're kind of like you're the tough guy on the junior team. Did uh, and you're English and American to boot. Did uh, did they uh, did people come looking for you? Do you have any problems off the ice? Uh, me and Eric Lison. Oh yes. We uh, we got into it with a biker gang up there. We didn't know they were biker gang dudes. In, in Quebec, oh, that's a good idea. Let's rumble with the yeah. rock machine. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> we ended up getting in a fight with a couple guys. We did pretty well. And then, like, the one of the owners of the team, like, called us in and was like, we're going to have a meeting with these guys, said biker group. Because he's like, they're pretty pissed off. And, like, they're going to want to hurt you guys. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, what, what the fuck? Like, how the fuck were we supposed to know? These guys, like, came after us. And the owner of the team smoothed it over. They were just, like, they were trying to get into the into the gang. So they were, like, hanging around or something. So they weren't wearing, like, patches or anything. So we, we dodged a bullet there. And that's, Dallas found out about that. They were super pissed. And that's when I was like, man, I got to tone it down. This is, I don't know who you're messing with, you know. That could have been could have been catastrophic. Yeah. And that's what the owner of our team was saying. He's like, this could have been catastrophic for you. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, it could have been like, you could have been a fucking episode of Sons of Anarchy right there. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about, like, turn, going to start your car and it exploding. I'm like, over a, over a couple punches in a parking lot? I was like, damn, man, these guys take this shit seriously up here. 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you hear all the stories, and of course, the Quebec League, you hear about all the craziness that went through there, and, uh, yeah, oh, and the Quebec, bo- oh, yeah, that's, that's a whole, we won't even talk about that, I don't even, I don't want, I don't want to be starting my truck tomorrow. You don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, no, I'm keeping that on the down low, yeah. So come out west and find you. Yeah, well, we're going to send America Lizon's way, he, he's a big, <laughs> that guy, there's a bad dude too, man, Lizon. Yeah, yeah, he threw hammers, man. Yeah. So like a tall, lanky guy, not a lot of weight, but he, he punched hard. Yeah. I've seen him that first, that first, well, that year in the queue, he came like late and he was just like destroying, you know, like middleweights, light heavyweights, just destroying him. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, he, like, yeah, he, he just. And then he turned into a good heavyweight in that league. Yeah. Yeah. And in pro. Yeah. And in pro, he was very, very, very tough. No, absolutely, and uh, you know, and he went on, and of course, he, uh, yeah, yeah, he finished actually up in the Quebec League. He played two seasons there, but uh, yeah, no, he played in Wichita for a long time in Oklahoma, and yeah, he's a tough dude for sure. Um, played in Worcester. Yep, yep. Well, uh, so we we're, we're fighting bike gangs and everything else, and have getting burned by getting walked around by Crosby. It was a hell of a time in Quebec, and you know. But let's uh, get out of there. Yeah, we'll we'll get out of there. Let's get in and, the car uh, and get get out of there. Well, you so you must have taken it really seriously because the, the following year you went all the way to Finland to play. How did that happen? And whose idea was that? Like, was again? Where are we going? Dallas is telling you to go to Finland now. Yeah, they did. Uh, we we had our American League team, the Iowa Stars. We were splitting them with Edmonton. And so I went to Iowa Stars camp. The coach hated my guts. Uh, and then, like, and then uh, somebody in Dallas came to me, and they were like, listen, the coach doesn't like you. Your options are you're going to play in the coast, or we could send you to the Finnish Elite League, which we think would be better for you. It's better hockey, higher skilled. And I was like, oh man, I was distraught. Like I had my heart set on playing in the American League and trying to, trying to work, work my way in there and do well. So packed up, shipped off to Finland and had a fun year, a great year and caused a little, caused a little chaos over there while, while I was at it. Well, you managed 36 games yet, 236 minutes once again, leading the league and, uh, uh, you know, a couple of the, uh, you, know, you know, other North Americans that, well, or a couple of the, t- I should say, tougher guys that were over there besides yourself, um, Kyle Rossiter, Shane Toporowski, Sammy Helenas. Um Did you have any run-ins with those guys? Or, like, how did you get 236 minutes of penalties? Was that a whole lot of tens and being mean? <laughs> when when you fight over there, you get, like, two tens, a, fi- a five. You see, I think you get, like, 40 minutes or <laughs> so, so like three fights, and you're pushing like a, a 150 minutes, 120 minutes. Yeah, and then it's not hard to rack up another 100 minutes by, you know, getting a, a five in a game for a slash. There's 25 minutes. You know, two baseball swinging a guy in the back of the legs. There's another 25 minutes. <clears throat> but they, yeah, they don't. The referees don't like North Americans over there. Like. You hit somebody too hard, and you're going to get kicked out. Yeah, at the, at the, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you spent so much time actually. Uh, you know, obviously from here, and then you know your time in your uh, in the UK in general. Um, what do you think of um, 
like the larger ice and kind of uh, well, basically the European style of play. Did uh, was it a big adjustment? And uh, and what did you think, or what do you think of it? In, in Finland, it, there was a lot of rinks that were pretty small, and then you would have a, a, a couple that were like larger than Olympic. So yes. you'd have a couple NHL sized rinks, and those guys fly around. They play the body, like Yarko Eminen. He played for the Rangers for a bit. That guy hits like a truck, and every time he's dumping the puck and he's running you through the end wall. So it was a it was very North American style play when I played there, and then you go to the big rinks like a TPS uh, in Turku, and I don't even think I touched the boards on on the sides. You know, it was so wide. I, you can't make a hit out there. You're literally just staying in the dots and like letting guys come to you. They can fuck around out out there all they want, but. More ice. Some some games it's way less physical, and then in the UK it's the same thing. You have like a couple rinks that are NHL size, and it's just a bloodbath. Like the whole game, you think you're playing rugby, uh, rugby or lacrosse, and then you have other other teams that play in a big rink, and they're not hitting you at all, and they're just they're just running the score up because you're you're coming out of a small rink where you're just getting run the entire game, running guys. It's a weird dynamic. They should have one set rink, uh, sheet size, you know, like American League, NHL, Coast. Yeah. But they don't. Well, what, well, what was your impressions of Finland and, uh, and how did you take to it, take to the culture and, uh, and how were you treated over there? Finland was fun. Everybody loves to drink. You know, the guys like, guys like to, guys love the booze after the games. I, one of my, First weeks over there, I go to the bar, meet some teammates, guys sitting there taking shots at the bar, and I'm like, there's all these empty shot glasses, and he was there by himself. I'm like, who who else is here? He's like, it's just me. I'm like, you drank all those shots? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, man. He's like, you want to take one with me? I'm like, sure. Take a shot. He literally, like, leans back off the bar, pukes between his feet onto the floor. He's on, like, a high stool, and then just leans back forward onto the bar. And I was like, here we go. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be a good year. <laughs> tremendous, tremendous. Well, so you, uh, well, you, you play over in Finland, and uh, and then, like you said, and then we're, we're figuring out the timeline here. You come back, and this is when, um, I guess time-wise, you go to Traverse City in that tournament. At, um at this point, when you're, you're you're you've kind of been in a couple camps with Dallas and and kind of you know you've you've done everything they've asked you to do, are you starting to get frustrated now? Well, the coaches the coach is still there coaching in Iowa, so that year I was coming back to play. Oh, I, so I I blew my shoulder out in like February in Finland. I tore my labrum completely. Tore it. I needed six screws to put it, or three screws to put it back together, and I had the surgery after the season. So I finished the season off with a completely torn labrum, and I, I tore it in a street fight. So I was walking home. I was walking home from drinking with the guys, and I turned the corner. It was like right in front of my flat, and there's there's three guys beating this one dude. And I'm like, no way, this this can't happen. So I step in, crank one guy, 
he's out of the fight. Now I got two guys, and my guy that's been getting beat on is no longer getting beat on. So I'm squaring up with two guys. Somehow I end up missing with with a huge right hand. Don't notice anything. Keep fighting. Ends up breaking up. Go back to my flat. I'm like, dude, my fucking arm hurts so bad. Like my shoulder. Take my shirt off, and I have this bruise on the inside of my bicep, like from my armpit, and it's like black. I'm like, shit, I think I fucking hurt myself. Wake up in the morning. It runs all the way down to my wrist, like inside my arm. I'm like, oh, no, this is really bad. Like, I can't lift my arm. I can't lift it parallel. I'm like, fuck. So I just played the rest of the year out. Got surgery after the season. It was a nightmare. It was really bad. Well, I mean, did you tell Dallas it was from a street fight, or did you say you got hurt playing? Yeah, I didn't say I did it in a street fight. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, don't say that, yeah. <laughs> no chance, no yeah. chance. Because they'd be like, who would we draft here, Link Gates? I mean, but from fighting bikers to people out in we can't, we can't take you anywhere. I, well, I had already had that talk with them about, about mixing it up outside the ice. So I was like, man, this has got to be close to the chest. Yeah. I can't tell anybody. Like, at this point, where are you just kind of in, like, are you just finding yourself, uh, well, I'm not trying to say you were, like, a, you know, troublemaker off the ice, but are you kind of just sort of like a shit magnet? Like, all of a sudden, you just got bad, like, shit's happening to you? Like, you're not looking for it, but you just happen to step in it kind of thing? Well, or were you kind of out of control? No, I wasn't out of control. If you go, you know, drinking with the guys enough, yeah. you know, other guys are going to see you. And then if you spend enough time, like, out in bars after midnight, you're going to end up getting in some trouble. Yep. Nothing good happens after midnight. That's and right. That's what happens. Yeah. Well, so you go to you go to Traverse City at this point. Like, are you still are you still like how's the shoulder and are you st- are you still hurt or uh, overall how are you feeling at this point? I think, man, I, I so I couldn't have played in Traverse City that summer because I had surgery after the season and I didn't. My first games were in Idaho. So it might okay. have been at the end of that year. Yeah. So yeah. So it must have been the year. I don't know. Okay. Well. So like you said, we'll we'll forget this Traverse City nonsense. We're going to go into uh, you have surgery and and then you and now you start in Idaho. Yeah. All right. So you're down in the East Coast League, and I mean, and that Idaho team has some characters on it, and we got to talk about those characters. And uh, the first one we got to start with, of course is Jeremy Yablonski. What were your initial impressions of Yapo and uh, and just uh, just Jeremy in general? He's, just, he's an awesome guy. Uh, he looked like a WWE superstar. He came in the room, chucked me the keys to his car. I didn't even know who he was. It was like a brand new Yukon Denali with rims. And he was like, hey, just pick me up for practice. And I was like, What? So I'm driving around in his car. We became good friends. And like all, we were hanging out every day. You know, we saw 300. I remember leaving the movie with him, and he's like, "Dude, you know what I want to do right now is just front kick somebody down these stairs so bad." And I was like, 
that would be fucking cool, wouldn't it? And like, it was just like one, all we were talking about was just smashing skulls. He's an animal. Awesome guy. One of the best, one of the best guys I ever played with. The epitome of a tough guy and a good teammate. And that was Yabo. Yeah. And, uh, well, and then another character that played in Idaho forever and was a tough dude in his own right was, of course, Lance Galbraith. How'd you get along? The rooster. Uh, yeah. How'd you get along with him? Lance was, it was a good guy. Tough, man. He's, you know, like 185 pounds and fought way above his weight class, fought everybody, put up points. He was, he's another East Coast legend, especially in Boise. I mean, people will never forget him and his fights and his, just his overall play. He did it all. Well, and that's the thing, and I mean, I know in Boise, I've talked to, you know, Chris Graff was on my show, and he played there, and, and he really loved his time in Idaho, and, uh, you know, ended up living there, marrying a girl from there and everything, and I've, I've always heard nothing but good things about uh, that organization. How, how did you enjoy your time in Idaho? Uh, it was awesome. It was a great, one of the best cities setups in the in the whole league. Uh, you're in the middle of the mountains, great city. Fishing, salmon fishing up in the hills if you want to. Uh, the team's got a great little rink. The fan base is, is comes out every night. They're passionate. It was a good time. Well, and then like you said, and then a couple, another guy that played there forever, and I'm sure he had the, the lay of the land, and, uh, you know, as uh, Scott Burt, there's another guy. Yeah, yeah, Western guy. I think he's coaching in the Western League, isn't he? I, I believe so. Um, he is, uh, yeah, well, he's actually coaching Idaho. There you go. Oh, he's coaching Idaho now. Wow. Yeah. Oh, but he wasn't, yep. he, wasn't Spok- he wasn't Spokane for years. Yeah. And then, uh, okay. now he's back in Idaho. And, uh, you know, Marty Flickle was there, another Western League guy. And, um, yeah. And you, and, uh, yeah. And then, of course, your coach was, uh, Derek Laxdahl. Did you get along with him? Uh, no, no, no. After the, after the Yabo and I incident versus Alaska, no, he told Dallas that he didn't tell us to go out there and fight and he did. So we lied and so it caused a little bit of a, caused a little bit of a rift. Yeah. Okay, well, for those that are wondering what we're talking about, um, it's on YouTube. If you check it out, there is a, a brawl that you guys have against uh, Alaska. And uh, and really, when you go back and you watch the, the video, I mean, some people talk like it was the goddamn crime of the century or something. It's not that bad. I mean, I've seen way worse no. brawls than that. But what led yeah. up to that? And, uh, and, and walk us through that whole, the brawl there. So they went up to Alaska earlier in the season and like somebody like need to need flicks and they were just beating on the team because Yabo wasn't there. He was hurt. I wasn't like, they had no other guys that were going to, were going to stand up and make sure that that didn't happen. So when they finally came back to Boise, I had, I had gotten sent down cause I was learning how to play forward. Like Dallas was like, Hey, you got to learn how to play forward. You're going down. And I was like, all right. And so before the game, Wax was like, Hey, this is payback. He's like, we need to, we need to send a fucking message to these guys that what they did up in Alaska, we didn't forget. 
So Yabel fought like this guy Steven Slater in the like maybe first period, and he, or Steven Later, yeah. And he was the guy I think that hurt Flex. And then uh, they had Jeff Smith, but he didn't want anything to do with us. And then so start of the third period, I think he only has three lines in the coast, and Lax is like third line Nickerson. Yabo and somebody in the center and Yabs and I just looked at each other like, no, like we're going out together. And then that was the one shift we got was that brawl. And we had been talking about for a while. We were like, dude, it'd be so sick if we were just fighting side by side. And then it, it kind of happened. I mean, yeah, well, that. Uh, it's funny because Anchorage shirt, uh, they sure tucked tail when it when it all hit the fat they, nobody was fighting you guys i mean well yeah it was it was one sided for for idaho in that in that brawl well that jeff smith he comes yeah. he's comes along later in the story as well does he not he's in the he UK. does yeah yeah well we'll get we'll get to that i was kind of looking i'm like is that the same guy well it is the same guy um well, yeah, so you end up getting, what did they suspend you for? I think 16 games. Come on, 16 games. Yeah, and we had a conf- we had a conference call with the coast, and, like, I don't know who it was, but somebody's, like, yelling, and it's, you know, it's, like, me and Yabo in the room and, like, Lax, and the guy's like, do you guys think this is fucking Slapshot? And Yabo, like, seriously starts laughing, and he goes, yeah, I do. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and that was like the end of the call. <laughs> Flags like hung up. I was like, no. I was like, oh yeah, but we're gonna be in so much trouble, man. So much trouble. Uh, he, he was awesome. So, so Laxdahl kind of threw you guys under the bus for that one. Yeah, he did with Dallas because Dallas was pissed. They were like, what the fuck, you know? They were mad at me, and then I was like, listen, Laxall said it was payback. I mean, it got out of control 100%, and that's not, like, I mean, we took it a little far, but in my mind, I'm like, we got to fucking get our, get our pound of flesh here. So absolutely, I got Lax in the back of my head saying it's payback, and then, so that kind of gives you carte blanche to just run around like a mutant. That's what that's what he got. He got what he wanted, and then he denied it and denied it, and it wasn't a good scene. Well, the other part of that year, um, you also played obviously forty games in the American Hockey League with Iowa. And uh, how what, how was your experience in the American Hockey League? I was good. I, I it, it was good hockey. I mean, it was. So many guys, you know, playing in the NHL, coming down. You got a lot of, like, Eric Goddard was rolling around, Rocky Thompson, Ryan Flynn, Brad Norton. It was just like every team had murderers on their team. So it was, you're looking at the schedule and you're just like, when do I get an easy night or can I take a night off or not worry about somebody? And there wasn't too many of those nights in those 40 games that you're like, mm, they don't have anybody. This will be fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I mean, at this point in your career, like you're fully invested in knowing what your role is. Like there's no, yeah, yeah. yeah like there's no denying 
you know, that you're you're the enforcer. Yep, got to mix it up. And then Bars got called up, so I was the only guy on my team in Iowa. So that, that was fun. Well, and I mean, you look at the guy. Well, yeah, you look at the guys you fought. I mean, uh, you know, DJ King a couple times, Norton, Brandon Prust. You have fought Goddard. How'd the fight with Goddard go? Oh man, he. So I fought like this Donnelly. I won. I fought Prust. I mean, it was really a nothing fight. He just ties up, and I don't throw left. So great job. And then, so I was feeling confident, you know, I hadn't had any run-ins. He wasn't running around like a mutant or anything. And this guy, I can't remember his name, grabs my jersey as I'm trying to go for a line change, like after the whistle, he starts pulling it down. Mind you, this is in front of their bench. And I turn around, and I'm like, what are you going to do? Fight me? And then I just hear this growl from the bench. I will. And I look over at the bench, I'm like, please don't be the person who I think it's it think it is and i see goddard standing up and he's looking at me i'm like oh shit i'm like fuck so i skate to the bench i'm like maybe he'll forget about it next shift i go out we have this fucking face-off play where the defenseman has to go up and line up on the wing in the neutral zone who's the guy there that i gotta go line up against goddard (laughs) fucking cross checks me he's like we're going i'm like no we're not as soon as the puck drops i just shed my shit and lunge at him to grab him he backs up right away. I don't get a grab on him because I wanted to jump. And we squared off. Broke my nose. Blood all over my jersey. I was like, fuck. But he got called up a couple weeks later and TKO'd Bougard. Yep. And uh, my coach put the uh, put an article up on the board. It was nice of him that Goddard got called up and TKO'd the heavyweight champ of the league. So it made me feel a little better. You know, get your ass kicked by somebody who's legit one of the toughest guys in the game. You can you can sleep sleep on that. Well, that was because there's no shame in losing to Goddard. You weren't the only one. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> there's a long list. Yeah, yeah. Well, another guy, like you said, there's another big dude too, and he could hit. Uh, was DJ King, and you fought him a couple times. Yeah, DJ DJ King's another mute man. Yeah, he <clears throat> one one fight with him. It was in their barn. I don't know. I was two-handing like this Trent Whitmore or something, a scorer for them. He comes out. He's like, we're going to go. I did the same kind of trick. I'm like, nope, we're not going. He's like, what? As soon as the puck dropped, I just shed him, grabbed him, started slinging rights at him. I catch him with a couple good ones, and I'm like, yes, like I'm about to drop this guy. And And I keep going, and I'm looking at him, and then all of a sudden just, he just got mad <laughs> and just just beat the top of my skull. I had the Rocky Mountains on the top of my, my helmet. When I put my helmet on, was sitting up like a three-quarters of an inch. And then his teammates were chirping me the rest of the game. They're like, way to go, you fucking loser. You broke Kinger's hand. I'm like, yeah, well, you fucking broke it on my skull, guys. Give me a fucking break here. I'm like, Jesus. I think that felt good. God, sit there with your Barney Rubble lumps. Yep. Oh man, it was bad. I couldn't wear a hat for a week. <laughs> well, and then, well, before we leave the American League, uh, the one guy I got to ask you about, of course, is uh, a, another fourth line voice guest, and he was a great guest, uh, Joey Tedarenko. You fought him too. Yep. Yep. He's he ran a guy on my team, and then I dropped my stuff, grabbed him. 
and he didn't didn't drop a shit. And I was like, oh fuck! And I went to pick my stuff up, and then just started eating punches. No, he got you. Yeah. And I was like, what a vet move! And that that's when I started to realize that all this like code talk and like honorable that shit, that shit's for the birds. Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> Oh, me, yeah, me, myself, and I out there, right? You got to look out for number yeah. one. And, yeah. Yeah. The St. Marcus of Queensbury. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting you try to throw the code out because I know, you know, all the time on Twitter and you read everything. And, of course, fans love to throw out the code thing. And I've long for years always said, you know, what a bunch of bullshit the code is. You know, and I think it's just sort of a newer age thing that people started talking about it because, I mean, growing up, well, I'm older. I'm a, ten years older than you, but I know in the '80s and '90s, I never heard the the term "the code." I never heard anyone ever say that. It was only until like the 2000s I heard that. What, what do you think of the whole code thing, and what does it mean to you? Or man, I, you know, some guys you respect, you're going to square up, and and then there's other guys you don't, you know. And especially in the American League, like you got new guys coming through, like you got guys you might like he probably didn't even know who I was, you know, and then all of a sudden like I dropped my stuff and grabbed him and he's like, Well, um and then as soon as I skate away to grab my stuff, I just start eating punches. You know, I should have known better. I should have just started started punching him and then forced him into a fight. Like but yeah, they're there's no code. I mean, you got to look out for yourself, and yeah. Well, it's kind of that, I think like it's. Like, I think you're right, though. Well, it's like right. anything in sports, right? I mean, anybody that plays like an elite level sport doesn't matter what it is: baseball, football, you know, hockey. There's always within the game. There's a game within the game, and so there's unwritten things that you just learn as you go along. And it's like, Correct. you know, and it's and I I always sometimes say to the on Twitter when there, people are talking about the code. There's a code, but it's not what you think it is. It's not, I don't think it's what the fans think it is. This is just my opinion. And it's like, yeah, there's unwritten rules in hockey, but it's not what the fans think they are. And it's like, you got to be in it to know. Does that make sense? Am I, what am I saying here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and it's like, if I was in a fight and a guy went down, there's a few guys I would keep punching. Yeah. But the rest of them, I wouldn't. So, yeah, yeah you know... Yeah, it's all the situation, right? Like, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, it's like sometimes there's just dudes that are just like, you know what, I'm going to, I don't give a shit, I'm going to hit this fucker when he's down. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, he deserves it and whatever. And then other guys... That, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, and other guys, it was just to try to get the place popped up, and you have no real animosity to him, it's more just like, so yeah, okay, it's a clean break when the refs get in here. But yeah... Like, are you going to have a, like I said, well, like before, like, are you going to have a clean break with Chaz Johnson? Probably not. No. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be punching until a lino grabs, grabs my arm. <laughs> like, and I don't care if he's down. I mean, yeah. You know, there's, there's vendettas and there's reasons why you're mad and maybe you hurt a guy in your team or maybe he's just a cheap fucking dirty fuck. And you're, this is your chance to try to hurt him back. Yeah, and I think wasn't it Colt Moore and Ice Guardians or somebody was like the thing about the code is that, or maybe it was Fedora Fridge. There is no fucking code. Yeah, it was Fedora. You know? Yeah, the code yeah. is there is no code. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, well, and, that, and that's the interesting thing, right? Because, like, if you just go onto YouTube and, and just put in your brawl against Alaska, and you don't know any backstory, and you just turn it on and start watching it, well, yeah, you and Yabba look like the two biggest assholes in hockey, right? <laughs> but when you but when you look into the backstory, well, those clowns deserved everything they got and more. Yeah. You're lucky it wasn't more. There's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for everything. Well, yeah, and that's what always bugs me. Like in like with fans when they're talking, oh, why do you have to do that? He didn't need to do that. Well, how do you know? Like, were you out there? Did you know the conversation that happened? How do you not know the guy did something earlier? People just don't usually. I mean, every once in a while they do, but for the most part, just don't do crazy shit out of the blue and just snap for no reason. There's stuff that led up to it. And people love to complain, Dan. Well, I know that. As I'm complaining right now, I know how I the I no, but like (laughs) on social media, they're like it doesn't even affect them, and they're complaining, trying to get you fired, which happened to me later in Mountain Kings. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I know, but um, yeah. So, I mean, actually, before we leave that year, I know when you went back, you were in the American League, then you went back to Idaho later in the year. And actually, a name that came up that uh, I actually want to get him on the show, but he played here in Saskatoon was uh, that you fought was Adam Huxley. Yeah, Huxamania. Yeah. We uh, we squared off. At, I think you just posted that picture of us squaring off when I'm wearing 23. Yep. Uh, I had a I had a broken ring finger on my grab hand, my left hand, and so we squared off and there was tape on it and he called the, the line I was in cause I was trying to take it off. Like, cause they're like, hurry up. And I'm like, fuck man, I can't get it off. So you go to the box, you get two minute coincidentals. And then I take it off and I like shout over to him. I'm like, Hey, just leave your gear in the box. Cause we're coming out mid play. I'm like, just leave your gear in the box. We're going to fight anyway. So just leave it. He's like, no, no. Finally talked him into it. Like enough, like harassing him. So we left our gloves, our helmets, and our sticks in the box, just wheeled out of the box, squared up, fought, instantly ejected. I'm like, what's the difference if we we just did you guys a favor? Now nobody has to pick up our shit. Yeah. Ejected. They didn't see it your way, but. No, no, ejected. I I thought that was funny. I enjoyed that. Absolutely. (laughs) But, um. At this point, so now you so you have your brawl against Alaska. You're suspended. Dallas is pissed at you. Did they release you at this point? Uh, I yeah, I got released to go. I went to training camp again the next year in Iowa, and I think they were like, "Hey, you're you're going to have to. The coach wants you to play on the coast, or we could release you and you could go to go back to Finland and make a lot more money." So. I got I got the release, went and signed back in asset because I was getting paid by Dallas American League salary to play over there. And at the time, like guys were making huge bucks in in Europe and Finland. Yeah. And so I, I, I ended up doing all right for myself in the Finnish Elite League for, for a couple of years after that. Yeah, and that um yeah, well like you said, you go over to Finland and then I I know the following year, um you went to Sweden. For a few, for a few yep, games, played, and then back to Finland. yeah. That was just to get out of taxes. Okay, they have they have uh, a rule like if you're in 
So you're working for more than six months. The team has to pay like half your wage and taxes to the government. So they ship me over to Malmo, Malmo, Red Hawks for a month, played a few games, and then came back to get under that six month window. What was the, uh, what were the kind of the differences with Sweden? Well, I know you weren't, you only played the six games, but I mean, what's kind of the difference between Sweden and Finland in terms of the hockey and, it was it was crazy. I got in trouble for dumping the puck in Sweden. The coach was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, uh, "I didn't have a play. I put it in deep." And he's like, "Turn back with it." Like it was wild. Really? Like guys were just like cycling in the in the neutral zone. I'd never never played anything like that. I was hitting like home run passes, like from my circle all the way to the far blue line because my fours were just like rotating out in the neutral zone. It was so weird. I'd never seen anything like it. You could not get – if you chipped the puck off the boards to no one or dumped it in, it was a really bad play, and they were upset about it. I was like, fuck, man, this is – I am not used to this shit. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's a well, grenade like, on my stick. i got to get rid of this. <laughs> Hot potato. Uh, well, a few of the guys that were on that Swedish – you had Soderberg over there, Jonas Hoagland, Donnie McLean. Yeah, yeah. Hearing stories from Donnie and – and Hoagland about their NHL days. Hoagland talking about Ty Domi. It was crazy. It was awesome. <laughs> and then Soderberg ended up going on and yeah. playing Boston and Colorado for a while. Yeah. I don't even know where he's going, but. Yeah, absolutely. Good, and then, uh, well, you go back to Finland, lead the league in penalty minutes again. Um, with 156. Um, I know one of the guys over in that league at that time was Kip Brennan. Do you have any run-ins with him? Yeah, we ended up we ended up fighting that year uh, in Turku. But I, I, he, he like jumped me. Oh, man. We ended up fighting, but he jumped me. I can't remember how it went, but he got – I'm not sure if he got kicked out or whatever. And then we ended up becoming teammates a couple of years later. Yep. In, in uh, spring, or was it the next year in spring? I don't know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, in Springfield. Yeah, yeah Kipper's Kipper was an animal, man. Yeah, he was. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's like a bad dude, man. That's, he's a tough dude. Yep. He had, a, he had a lot of fights, man. Yep. A lot of fights. All right, so the following year, um, you're back from, uh, from Finland, and you're back in the American Hockey League with the Springfield Falcons. And, uh, you know, unfortunately... Uh, you know, you only played the 19 games. Um, obviously, well, obviously you got hurt, but I know uh, a couple of the, you had a couple of big names. A couple of the names that you fought um, were like Hans Benson, uh, Pascal Morenci, Miles Stays. Um, how did those fights go? Uh, Morenci's tough, man. He's a little lefty, and he had. Had my like uh, my right tied up weird. My elbow pad came came off during the fight, and it was like kind of he had it pulled across my body, and we ended up falling, and I fell straight on my elbow, and it split my elbow open. And I remember going to the locker room, and the the doctor like had this almost like a giant Q-tip, and he was sticking it in my in my elbow, like yeah. and like sanitizing the bone. I remember Kip Brennan came in, and he was like, oh, my God, because the guy was just, like, scrubbing my bone. And I was like, oh, jeez, that's gross. So that was pretty pretty nasty. I, I'd, I'd hurt my elbows a bunch of times falling 
you know, when you get tied up weird and your elbow pad falls off, but never like that. That was was pretty bad getting stitches on the elbow. I can imagine. Well, and before, I mean, uh, but I, I noticed your assistant coach was Jerry Fleming. Just an animal. Legendary tough guy back in the day. How did you, did you get along with him? Yeah, Jerry was awesome, man. Huge guy, too. Yeah. Like, long arms, big dude. And especially now, like, every now and again in that, in the fighter, in that, in the Facebook fighter group, some of those, uh, like, Jerry, some people will post old Jerry fights from uh, when he played, he yeah. played up in Quebec there for Montreal's farm team, Fredericton, or not Quebec, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fredericton. Yeah. And he's just got some awesome tilts up there, man. Oh, yeah. He what played, an animal. He played there for like eight years. I mean, I have, and I have all the fight DVDs from every year from Fredericton, and he is on there and just, and then Bonvi, Rocky, Link Gates, Bialois, you name it, he fought him and like did not lose very many. Like he put the thump on guys. Yeah. What a legend. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so um so you got injured and you uh and then actually I'm looking, you actually missed was it two seasons he didn't play? Yeah, my mom passed away. My mom passed away that summer and then I I just I don't know, I just stopped moving and Yeah. Uh and so then it took a little while to get back. It took a little while. It took two years before I, I uh, got back and wish that didn't happen now, but uh, can't can't go back and change it. Yeah, well. And I then mean, we went to Coco. Yeah, well, I mean, you you know, you obviously, you know, things things happen and then, you know, you lose the passion. And, I mean, at, at this point, you're obviously, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, you're 24, 25 years old. And, uh you're sort of, you know, that happens, and uh, yeah, like so. Obviously, you're questioning a lot of things. Uh, what got you to go back? Uh, my my wife got me to go back. I I've been telling her throughout the whole layoff, like, yeah, I'm going to go back to playing, and then like one year turns into two years, and she's like, you got to you got to get back playing, or else this is never going to happen. And then like through her family. Ended up getting like a tryout with Coco in Mestis, and then sticking around and playing that year out, which was awesome to get back moving and you know kind of get life going again. And then we we uh, made the fun journey. Was it was it then going over to the the EI? It was after that. Yeah. So the following year, uh, you know, you're off to the uh, over to the UK. In the EIHL with the Fife Flyers, and you're there for a couple of years. How did you end up in Fife, and uh, what were your first impressions? I talked to assist- the assistant coach at the time, Danny Stewart, years earlier about he want- he was coaching a different team, and I think I had a teammate, Justin DeCosta, go from Coco to Fife, and he was like, "Hey, you know, you want to come over here?" I was like, "Yeah, why not? Give it a shot." And then. Scotland's crazy, man. Cool. Rains a lot. They got a lot of good golf. We got out to go golf and walk St. Andrews. We're only like 40 minutes from, from the old course. Edinburgh is an amazing city. Really cool. All of the UK. I mean, you can go from Belfast down to London and to, to Cardiff. I mean, some of the cities are so neat and crazy architecture and old castles. It was really a cool experience kicking around there. 
Yeah, uh, were you surprised by the toughness in the league? No, because I ha- I had like been following it, you know, with drop your gloves. I've been, you know, seeing the sheriff over there. He had like a stand in Belfast and Dundee, and so I I have been keeping my eye on all these league. You know, when you're fighting, I was always every day, even in Finland. You know, when I wasn't f- really fighting, I would be on drop your gloves every weekend, checking out who fought who. Who's doing well in the American League? What's going on in that British League? So I had an idea going into Fife that I knew that it's, we're going to have to ramp up the uh, the physicality for sure. Yeah, and like and like you said, this is a couple years removed from you fighting. You know, it had been like three years at that point. And uh, were you uh, like, did you, did you how did you prepare for it? And it just. Uh, I mean, yeah, 282 minutes. I mean, you, you came in flying. I mean, uh, were, were you hesitant or were you were you confident? No, I just knew that I had to go out there and go after guys, you know, because I didn't want to go in there and have guys coming after me. So come over and start making a name for yourself. And I, I took the mohawk back. I brought the mohawk back and the beard and played the part, you know, hopefully hoping that – some of these guys on the other team are looking at me and they're like, fuck, this guy's crazy. All he wants to do is fight, which hopefully that's what they were saying. If not, well, good on you because then you got me. Yeah. But that was part of the, the shtick. Well, I was going to say, did you, like, I, I've watched, I mean, obviously I wasn't at the games, but, I mean, I've seen your fights over there and I've and everything, and I've talked to a few of the, two of my trusted people, that fans over there that I will talk to. We will get into the fan thing in a second. Um did you was it a conscious effort to like kind of play the role and kind of be a showman a little bit kind of pull the morasty a little bit was that kind of with the mohawk and yeah was that kind of uh, on purpose yo oh, yeah, yeah 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 definitely and you know i knew i knew that going over there that the the team that I was going to play for Fife never had had a tough guy and that they needed they were just getting bullied around so i knew why i was going over there and you know, it just added to it, and you know the fans loved the mohawk and the beard, and it became a little bit of a thing. And you know, it was fun. Yeah, well, and like you said, you got a you got a bunch of fights over there in the first year. And uh, well, I was gonna say I was talking to uh, my uh, fellow fight fan over there, UK John Searson. Him and him and Paul are my kind of my go to guys when I have UK questions, and. Um, he was asking me. He wanted to. He wanted me to ask you. It was in your. It was in one of your very first, either your first game or right away in Fife. You took a suspension for a cross check. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And he, and he was just like, it was a nothing incident. We cross checked the guy when he was down. Typical UK idiocy with the reaction. Um, did you get in a lot of heat like right off the start? Yeah, I thought I was going to get sent back home. I had just flown over from from the u.s got off the plane had lunch and then i went to the game and they're like they're like can you play and i'm like i guess and then i got out there and i was like oh man i tried to fight that andrew lord because he fought in the american league for a bit yep and then he was just like giving me the no no so i cross-checked him and then i think i gave him another shot when he was on the ice and i got four games and I kind of got what I wanted was to get kind of kicked out because I was, I, dude, I felt like shit. I was just flew overseas. I'd been up for over a day. I had no business being on the ice, but 
yeah, it was kind of a nothing incident. Then I'm like, man, I might get sent home here before this before this train even gets out the station. <laughs> but it didn't happen. Luckily, it didn't happen. Well, and like you said, you go on, you fought uh, a few guys. I mean, you fought Chris Frank a couple times, uh, Salters, uh, Adam Keefe. I'm a huge Adam Keefe fan. What was it like battling? Well, you end up playing with him, too. But what, what uh, what's Keefe like? Awesome guy, man. He's he's going to be a great coach. Oh, he is a great coach now, but even down the road, uh, he's one, just like yeah, but one of the best teammates, stand-up guy, will do anything for you, first one to lead by example, you know, gave away a lot of size, constantly fighting bigger guys. And then that one, he came after me, and I was like, yeah. I remember looking at his stats when I was in Iowa. He was, like, leading the league in the American League at one time in fighting majors. Yep. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> but he's an animal, man. He's such a good guy, and I'm excited to uh, to see where his coaching career goes. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, well, and then we have the run-in with Jeff Smith a couple more times. Yeah. Jeff Smith, I think we've. I I have one where I punch him from the bench. Well, that's one of the, the best punches. <laughs> Is that the next year? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yep. Yeah, that's a good shot you just, land uh, too. You land a good one in that one, right? It's a quick, hard on the jaw, buckle the knees, yep. drops. Very proud of that one. That I think that was also four games. Yeah, at a, at a, well, and I think who's the other guy? Didn't you hit like Colinetti from the bench too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they scored a goal, and I think I I hit him after the whistle, and then he went down the ice, and then I glove punched him on the ice. And I think that was another four or five games. <laughs> well, we have to when we're over there. Your second year, um, one of the guys, of course, who went on and he he you know put up a lot of penalty minutes over there and. And he's a very polarizing figure over there, from what I could tell from talking to people. I was a huge fan because he played in the Western League, but uh, and I know you guys battled one of the three times I think that year, and was of course Zach the Hack, Zach Fitzgerald. How were those battles with Fitzy? What do you, what do you think of Fitzy? Fitzy's a good guy, man. He's uh, he's tough as they come. He always put up a ton of. He, he led the he led the American League a couple years as. At least one year in penalty minutes, fought everybody. So it was both hands. I used to joke with with the guys in the locker room. I used to call him the dead man because, like, he he could just eat shots. Had a yeah. granite chin, and knew his role. Like played it well. Uh, you knew when I knew when I was going to play him. It might be go time. And then he'd keep me guessing. Like I would ask him some games, and you shut me down. I'd be like, well, what the fuck, you know. And then all of a sudden, the next game, I'll be like, he doesn't want to fight me. And then all of a sudden, he comes and he asks me to go. I'm like, fuck. He, like, it was like a little, he would, like, lull me into this confidence of, like, oh, I've got him. He doesn't want to fight me. And then here he's back again. I'm like, fuck, what the fuck? But he's a good dude. I talked to him quite a bit off the ice. He's a really good guy. Yeah, well, and uh, just overall, and, and I mean, we, I've, I've talked to a, a bunch of guys that played over there. Um, just with the UK experience and with the fans, I mean, I've I've certainly had my online wars with some of their fans. Um, how did you take to them, and uh, and how did you get along with the the? Because I was told again, I'm going by what I was told that Fife normally does not have tough teams, or they're not really big fight people. 
So how did they take to you, and what was your overall experience with the fans at Fife? Oh, I was great. I, I loved the fans. I had I think they were having like record attendance. You know, people were coming to watch the fight. You know, coming to see some fights and. And that's part of hockey, man. That's that's also exciting. It's like yep. uh, it's like uh, sometimes I'll tune in to NASCAR when they're at like Talladega because you know they talk about the big one, the big wreck. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe I want to. I'm not a huge NASCAR fan, but sometimes those wrecks you want to see it, or you want to be watching when it happens. The same thing with hockey fights. And now that even that league is like getting away from hockey, is getting away from the fights when. I thought that would never happen because so much of that fan base knows that part of the game and it had always been a notoriously tough league and now they've gone completely opposite, which I never never thought I'd see. Yeah, well and that's well and as you say as we're talking about that and you're talking about some of the suspensions you took and uh and like I said, they'll put up those uh you know, the department safety videos they'll put up online and I'll watch them, so, and, and it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, are you serious? Yeah. Like, how... On, on Saturday, an incident occurred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, well, and it's almost like, and he should know better. Like, seriously? Yeah. Like, he endangered the other player's safety. I did. I threw a punch in his face. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, so, I mean, obviously you're in these calls. Like, how, how frustrating is that? Like, do you just... It just became standard, man. Like little, little shitty things that, yes, I don't know. I'm getting four or six games. And then it all culminates with a 20 plus game suspension on a, a little swat at a fan who shouldn't be even in that area. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. hold on, hold on. We'll get there. We'll get right, there. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. But so after, because, yeah, I want, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. Because uh, I went back and I'm like, okay, I gotta watch this again. I watched it like three times, and then I watched a bunch of. Uh, I, I've got, I've had a real Matt Nickerson feel here in the last few days. I've, uh, I was, I was watching blog, I was reading blogs about you from your time over there. Oh Jesus! Well, because I wanted to get the whole story. I didn't want to be, uh, you know, not know what's going on here. But uh, so the following year, you you leave Fife and you end up in Belfast. Um, and I've actually heard nothing but good things about Belfast. How did you end up there? Or, well, why did you leave Fife? How did you end up in Belfast? And what did you think of Belfast? Oh, Belfast, great city, great organization, best arena in the league. Uh, I mean, it holds like eight thousand with the full bowl when they when they put it in. Uh, just left Fife because I wanted to go play. You know, with Fife, we were just kind of sneaking into the playoffs we had a good run like made it to the to the semifinals but Belfast is like a front runner every year you know that they're going to compete be competing for a championship they're going to be top couple maybe third or fourth so I was really looking forward to that and then you know at the same time having a, a, a team with another guy that's that's fighting like Kiefer I hadn't had that for so many years so Having another guy to talk fights with and share the load with was was nice too. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? And I was just looking it up. I mean, you also have you know, uh, you know, Chris Beach is there, uh, and Vandermeer is there as well. Yeah, we had a, we've we had a tough team. Yeah, and um, 
you know, and of course, a couple, of course, you run into Fitzy again, you fight him. But one of the guys, it's an interesting character, and he's a large, well, you fought a couple, uh, the one guy here, uh, Boris Valabic. Yep, yep. Borat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did something, he did something to somebody, cheap shot at somebody, wasn't a good fight. I was super nervous for his fight, Belfast, but yeah, he's a big guy, though. Played yeah. in the NHL with the Thrashers and, yeah, absolutely. And another guy actually ended up fighting three times that year was Trevor Hendricks. Uh, yeah, one of the fights he like he like did a weird leg like I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but he he tried to like hook my leg and blew my MCL out. Uh, snapped it right there on the ice, and then like got up and celebrated after the fight. And I was just I was so mad about it. So. Another one I, I'm sure he's a good guy. I've heard from other people he's a good guy, but that was really, whenever you, you know, miss so much time like that, it really leaves a bad taste in your mouth. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and of course, and then the other one of your fights, speaking of big guys, another guy that's been on the show, um, Riley Emerson. Yeah, Emerson's a good guy. He... He was he was running around like he's so big, man, and he was just smashing guys one game when we were playing in his rink. And then uh, I just ran over, I skated over to him, I'm like, dude, you gotta relax. And then he he like dropped his stuff, grabbed me, and he's like, let's just like have a friendly fight. And then he just like cranks me and knocks my helmet off my head. And I was like, what's fucking friendly about that? So then, you know, I tried to throw back at him, but he was a good guy, huge. Yeah, well, and it's interesting in this, of course, um, this is the year in Manchester that Cam Jansons comes over and starts uh, and running around. And I was always a big Cam Jansons fan. Um, <laughs> what, what did you think of Jansons over there? Him and Kiefer had, had a couple really good tilts that year. Yeah. And he Cam would was just like, he'd hit you four seconds late. Yep. <laughs> Legitimately, four seconds late. Yeah. But when he was on the ice, you had to know where he was because you were probably going to get blindsided. What an animal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, the following year, well, and then in the next year in Belfast, you played the, your second year over there. I mean, you have you have Big Earn shows up. You got McGrath rolling around, Jay Rosehill, Bortolo. I mean, um, <sighs> so many mutants. Yeah, it was interesting yeah. that that year. Uh, you had you only had the three fights. Um, was it something at this point? You're just kind of like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm just tired of this. Like, I I, I don't think I said that, but I think that was kind of happening. Yeah, you know, without saying it, I think I, I think it was starting to starting to sink in. That I don't know. You know, looking back on it now. I think, I think that's what was going on, which is kind of depressing. Well, you're kind of, you know, I mean, you're getting old. I mean, and I mean, and you've had like we were just as we've talked here. I mean, the MCL, the, the elbow, the shoulder. I mean, you know, I mean, you've had your fair share of injuries. So it's like, you know, you're on the the, the back nine here, and it's like, you know, you got to be, you know, you're pulling the glove, or you know, you're too old for this shit. Like, is it just starting to, you know, you're just becoming a giant pussy is what you're doing 
wow, it's just like, you know, I mean, uh, did you have any thoughts of, uh, like, McGratton? Yeah, I did, and my coach was, my coach was my D partner, and he was telling me no. Like, there was one time that I thought we were going to go, and he was like, no, Nick said no, Nick said no. Uh, I didn't fight him. And then that was kind of a downhill there when Wally was like telling me, don't, like, don't fight. Then it started becoming easier to say no to a fight when I was always the guy that was saying yes. Yeah. And then once I started saying no, then like, then I could tell another guy no and no, nah, I'm not feeling it tonight. And then that was kind of a, a downhill slope for me. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I mean, obviously over there, like the tough guys, most of them are like the North American guys, and, you know, do you sort of, all of you kind of, I don't want to say stick together, but is it kind of like if you tell the guys, like, hey, like, not tonight, or calm down tonight, let's not get too goofy, is it usually respected, or is it just, fuck that? Uh, it's probably fuck that, especially, you know, in my previous seasons if somebody told me that then i knew i had them and yeah. now i'm gonna embarrass you yeah so i i was hoping that they weren't gonna do it but i wouldn't have given most guys the same same favor yeah unfortunately well it's interesting as you're just talking here i mean i know if uh before we get to the big incident you had mentioned like obviously with Velebic and emerson and like, you fought some big dudes most of the time you're obviously the bigger guy in the fight most times but in terms of just fighting in general, did you prefer fighting bigger guys or smaller guys? Uh, I don't think it. I don't think I ever really thought about it that way. I, if I fought a guy shorter than me, all I could would usually think about is trying to use reach, my reach. Yeah, you know, because some guys like look at Kiefer; he's five ten. 190 pounds and he's fighting everybody it doesn't matter if you're big or small uh and he's tough uh pascal morency and tough but i don't think i had a preference really but if i would i would have to change up my strategy if i was going to fight like emerson to make sure i got to try to get in you know to make sure that i can at least connect because he can string me out which i'm not usually getting strung out and throwing air punches. Yeah. Because Amo is huge, man. Yeah. See, I mean, six, I think it was 6'8 or 6'9. Like, that's just unfair. Yeah. Well, that, that six, to be that tall and know how to do it, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the one thing. You could be that tall and, you know, be Hal Gill, you know. I mean, you know, not knocking Hal Gill, but Hal Gill couldn't fight. But... Um, all right. Well, sorry, folks. We had a little technical difficulty there. We're going to roll here. But I was just saying how, yeah, I mean, it's one thing if you're big, but when you're big and you know how to use it, that's a whole, that's a, then that becomes like the Derek Bugard, Steve McIntyre, scary, tough people. McIntyre, very scary. Yeah. Well, and also just on the terms of just as we're talking about fighting here, um, when you were squaring off with the guy, I mean, you talked about trying to get the jump on a couple of guys who goddard and them or whatever, but overall, when you were squaring off with the guy, did you like to kind of get the grab first or did you want them to come at you? What did you prefer? I would usually like to grab first. And, like, I, I especially in my five days, I kind of would 
I worked in like a, a grab and punch almost simultaneously. So then I'm trying to put you on your back, put the guy on his back foot on yep. the defense a bit and try to get, get the right jackhammer going. And once I, once I found I had a good stretch where once I got it going and I started shelling you a few times, I could usually put you, put you away. <clears throat> I could put you away if I got it going quickly and could keep you from kind of getting your rhythm going. But I mean, not every fight's like that. No, but that just worked a little, for a little while. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, like you say, you fought a lot and it, uh, you know, definitely. Um, well, so we the following year you go to uh, Milton Keynes, and if I'm correct, was this they were, this was their first year, wasn't it? Yeah, expansion team in the in the EIHL. Yeah, so how did you end up there, and uh, and what and what were your impressions? Uh, the trainer for uh, for the Giants knew the coach Pete Russell, and he uh, put me in contact. I, I I studied, got my MBA that year. And, you know, it started off good, and then the team wasn't, you know, buying us sticks. It was just a mess. You know, like, they they were new owners, and they owned, like, a, uh, a minor league soccer team, too. And I don't think they realized what they were getting into when they got a hockey team. Like, soccer equipment budget isn't, well, isn't yeah. like, 100 grand a year, pounds. You know, like a hundred, almost two hundred thousand U.S. So, I think they uh, they were in over their heads, and then it got more exciting as the year went on. Well, yeah, I was gonna say though, over there, I mean, I've talked, I've had a few guys, Jason Goulet on, and he had issues with the with the rental, and then a few other guys at the was it the sewer bill or something? They're like, make sure they they put that in the contract and and all this stuff. I mean, taxes. Taxes for apartments. Yeah, yeah. Very I mean, weird. I mean, you're five years in. I mean, you got you're kind of this is you got to be a, kind of a vet at this stuff over there. Um, in terms of all that, did was that all agreed upon? Did that? Did that all? Did you get everything you were promised? I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, except for after after the incident, then they made me pay for my own housing, my own car. So I was out of pocket for like four months of living over there. So it was it was, it was tough after that. Well, before we get to the incident, I mean, you had four tilts over there. Um, and one of them, um, actually, there's a couple names on here I want to talk to you about. Well, one, of course, you fought Rose Hill. You know, NHL veteran yep. Jay Rose Hill. Tough, tough dude, for sure. Um, how was it fighting Rose Hill? Well, he's on, he's on my fight card at least. It wasn't wasn't anything to write home about, but he is a tough guy, man. And I, I've watched a lot of his fights over the years. I can tell you that. Yeah, well, he was one guy. He he had a lot of trouble over there too with the refs and stuff, mostly with the with, oh, the, yeah. with the hitting and stuff. And uh, and uh, yeah, well, and then another guy with Paquette. Yeah, yeah, he just ran. He, he he would hit everybody, and you know a couple of the young British guys, you know, weren't weren't really ready for it, and he just was slaughtering some of my guys. You know, they were like making a pass, looking, not knowing that there's a freight train coming, and murdering them. Yeah. So then, yeah, you know, had to had to fight 
backpacks. Yeah, well, and then a couple of the young kids that were over there that, uh, you know, I watched develop, and, you know, one from the Western League, and at the time when he left the WHL, was kind of regarded as the toughest guy in the Western Hockey League at that time, and big, tough kid, um, Doty, Jacob Doty. Yeah, Jacob Doty, yeah, played in Brayhead. Yeah. Yeah, another, he's a big boy, definitely a big boy. I, I'm not sure, he stopped playing too. Uh, no, he's back. He was he's, an he's, Allen. I just saw he signed with somebody in the East Coast League, I believe. Oh, nice! Yeah, maybe a little, maybe a little physicality is coming back to the coast. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't, but he's 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 an American as well. I think he's in he's in Utah. I don't know, something like that, I, or Montana. Maybe it's Montana. And uh, oh, damn! And it was, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he signed though. And then another guy was Gagnon, Matthew Gagnon. Yeah, he's tough. He had a really good run there that year. Yep. Yeah. I was. It was interesting watching Gagnon because it was like he was out of the Quebec League, and he played actually in the Alberta Junior League, is where I saw him. And then uh, he was kind of. I always say with Gagnon, I'm like, I, that dude came along like ten years too late, fifteen years too yeah. late. But because uh, he was definitely kind of a throwback, you know, enforcer, you know, which at that time is really rare coming out. Yeah. He. It would have been good for him to have a shot to go to the American League in the early 2000s, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He could have mixed. He could. He, he would have. He could have mixed it up till his heart was content of fights. I tell you that. Yeah. Well, okay. We've talked about this incident and everything else, and people are probably if they don't. Wow. Well, they'll anybody listen to this show, they know what we're talking about. But uh, you're playing in Guilford, and uh, you get kicked out or whatever. And I mean, you can tell you're frustrated because you're you're. Well, here I'll let I'll let you explain the incident. So, I I dropped my stick on the ice. There was a little melee ensuing. I knew no, no, they didn't have anybody. And I see out of the corner of my eye, this guy like picks up my stick. Mind you, I just told you my team wasn't buying us any sticks, and it was my only stick. I had one stick. I didn't have two spares on the bench. I didn't have four back at the at, at our home rank. I had one twig. So I kind of sat there and I'm like, "Give me my fucking stick!" Because he, he he did the trick where he like hit it behind his stick and he was skating the bench. Well, you can't do it because my stick's eight feet long. Well, yeah. Get my stick back, and I'm riled up. Now I'm like really want to fight him because I'm like, you don't know that that's my last stick. And embarrassingly enough, it is. Get escorted off the ice, and I'm just like, fuck, I got one stick. I'm getting kicked out. My team sucks. And there's this guy, like, like right in the in the exit way next to the door, just motherfucking me. And so I just kind of backhand swat him, or, like, tried to swat him. I don't even think I connected because <clears throat> my elbow hits, like, the, the plexi of the door. And then all hell breaks loose. Like, my coach comes in. He's like, you hit some lady in the head with your stick. And then when you watch the video back, my stick is in the opposite hand. And the lady was talking about calling the cops on me and suing me. I'm like, wow, this is spiraling quickly out of control. So then I get out of the rink. And I'm, like, looking at my phone. It's just blowing up. People are, like, calling for me to be fired. The team backs me at the start. They're like, listen, it wasn't that bad. It was stupid, yes. Not that bad. 
we're going to fight it. I'm like, oh, phew, thank you. They're like, you need to finish your schooling. We don't want to mess it up with the school. I go to school that day, come out of this class. They call me. They're like, hey, we got to meet. Like, mind you, this is like four hours later. And then uh, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm just driving back from school and meet with them. They're like, hey, we're cutting you. They're like, the social media backlash is so insane. Like, we got to get rid of you. I'm like, the social media backlash? Really? I'm like, I'm reading it too, but it's like a select group of fucking morons. Like, like some lady was like, my kids have been crying ever since the game. I'm like, but if I went to center ice, dropped my helmet and fought a guy, your kids wouldn't have been crying. They would have been excited. But they're crying because I took a backhanded slap at a fan. Uh, It's just social media outrage. Everybody's fucking sticking their nose in somebody else's business. One guy... One guy from fucking Cardiff, I can't remember his name, what a fucking loser. He was like, I hope you get fired. He, like, tagged my team, Milton Keynes. Then uh, then I ended up getting fired. And then he tweets me again. He's like, I didn't really mean, I, I wish you really didn't get fired. Oh. I mean, that just sums it up for you right there. Like, then why the fuck are you writing that shit, you fucking loser? But people, people have nothing better to do than bitch and complain and stick their nose in some shit that doesn't involve them. Everybody's worried about what everybody else is doing. Fucking just worry about what you're doing. That's it. And shut the fuck up. Almost done. God. Yeah. Well, I can tell you when that all happened and when we saw the clip, of course, the a lot of the fan, like you said, were just going like, you know, when we first heard it, I were like, I, Nickerson committed murder. Apparently he killed somebody. I don't know. By the way, everybody's outraged. It's like, holy, this is the worst thing ever. Then you see it, and it's like, eh. First of all, the, the idiot Stupid, shouldn't have been... Is that it? Yeah, well, first of all, the idiot shouldn't have been standing there. What's he doing? It's not like you went in after him. The goof is standing right there, It's like, and he's yelling and being a hero. I'm like, well, you get what you get when you get, you know, you, you moron, like... Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Exactly. I didn't feel bad for him. Like, was there even a barrier there? Like, it just seemed like he was standing there. there yeah, there was supposed to be a security guard there, but I don't think he thought anybody was going to be coming through, so they had fucked off. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like the gate swings open and this goof standing and there. He came running down from a set, like, uh, a set of seats. Yeah. If you watch the video, he runs down and comes down onto the floor where I'm walking. So, yeah. I mean, it was stupid. I shouldn't have done it, but I wish I got him better. You know, I wish I, I wish I like leaned back and gave him a nice right, you know, planted my feet and just buried him. If I could go back in time and do that, I would. Oh, I, I was, I wanted you to. For all the shit I got. Oh, like, yeah. And it was just like, because that would have been, like, I have no sympathy for anybody that puts themselves in that position. See, and I know from reading, because, of course, John, myself, and Paul, of course, and a number of other people, but, like, of course, we're on social media, and, of course, we're Team Nickerson, right? Like, we're just giving it back to all these people, like, you guys are losers and whatever, and, you know, it should have hit them harder, and, you know, we were all on that, but it was, uh, but, yeah, I couldn't believe... Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. We, John, I remember talking, and we're like, they're going to ban them. Yeah, because it's almost like they were just looking for an excuse. And it came down to we had 20 regular season games left, and if we made the playoffs, they made sure to add an extra two because we were fighting for the last playoff spot so that they gave me 22 games so that I couldn't play for the rest of the season. 
Yeah. So basically, right? Yeah. So like you said, right then and there, when they cut you, I mean, that's the end of the money, too, right? Yeah. Then they were like, "You got to pay for your house. We got you have to pay us for your car." So I wasn't getting paid, and I had to start paying to live there to finish my schooling. I was gonna say, yeah. So was, I was like, "Why'd you stay?" But yeah, okay, the school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought about leaving, but I had to finish. Yeah, but uh, well, I mean, what was the? So was there like the dude you hit? Did he press charges on you or sue you or anything? Or what came out of that? Uh, I guess the Guilford Flames told the league that they banned him for life, which no one has any proof. I guarantee you, he didn't get banned for life. And I just, I wish I caught him better because I didn't think anything of it, what the, what happened. But now, in retrospect, I wish I absolutely bundled the guy. Well, see, it's funny because I can remember online when people, because, of course, they got to dissect the whole video like it's just a pruder uh, gun, right? But they say, whoa, when you're skating frame. off the ice, you switch your stick to your other hand. So they're like, there, there's so the telltale sign. He was going to do it. He was premeditated that he was going to drill somebody. I'm like, oh, yeah, because he's been kicked out of how many games in his life? But today's the day he decides he's going to hit a fan, is it? Like, that's why? Yeah. Like, come on. I want to end my career on a on a backhand bitch slap on a fan. Yes. So, of course, Please. everybody listening, and I know there's lots of U.K. fans listening out there, there's your answer. No, it was not a premeditated attack on a fan. No. I, I didn't wake up that day and go, I'm going to fucking bitch slap a, a Guilford fan. Yes. He was just sticking his face right out there yelling, and I was coming off pissed off, and it was just, get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. Get well, out of here. So that pretty well, that just ends your European career right there. Wow, the EI career. Well, I shouldn't say that. After, the next year, I mean, you go back to Finland, but was there any talk... Uh, with any other EI teams, or at that point, did you just have enough? That was the nail in the coffin, man. That was it. Like from the league, or from you? I think from the league to to me. I mean, that was it. Nobody was going to give me another shot after that. I don't okay. think. Okay, I was just wondering if anybody at that point, like, were you uh, like, were you just it made not- like BBC News? Oh, I know. It made the bottom line ticker in BBC News. I'm like, seriously? Oh, I know. Well, I I laughed because one of the videos I watched the other night about it was some news show in L.A. It was a sports show from L.A., and they're like, oh, I can't remember how she worded it. It I can't remember how she worded it, but it was like, oversized hockey player loses his mind. And it's just oh, like, God. and you watch it, and it's just like, oh my God, the sensationalism of it. It's like, what are we doing here? You know? Ugh. That's crazy. LA. Hopefully, some celebrities saw that shit. Well, it was like a celebrity. It wasn't TMZ, but it was like in that vein. It was that kind of show. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was a sports show. I think it was just like, just current events and craziness or whatever. And Matt Nickerson made the. I don't even know if they said your name, actually. Oh, yeah, I think they did. But it was just like, oh, my God, people, just the outrage. It's like, it's not that bad. But um, while the following season, you, you finish up in Finland for your final year. And um, at that point, did you know that was it? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I kind of had a good idea. The wife and I, we went to, like, Rome and Berlin, did some traveling, you know, 
kind of made the most of being over there. Enjoyed being around her family. I mean, I, I played hard and enjoyed the year, uh, but I, I had a pretty good inclination that it, it was my time. I was on borrowed time, I should say. Well, it's um. Well, I was gonna ask: Is she is she an American or is she from Finland? Did you meet her over there? She's yeah, she's Finnish. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, when, well, in my intro, when I said back, see, that was funny. I always thought, I thought you lived in Finland. Like, I thought, that's where I thought you were living. Oh, no, 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 I'm in Old, old Lyme, Connecticut. Yeah, so it was funny, and it wasn't until recently when yeah, you mentioned something about it on Twitter, being in Connecticut or something. I'm like, really? Like, that's why I was like, oh, man, if we're going to set up this interview, what's the time difference? And I'm like, I'm trying to figure it all out. Then it turns out, oh, you're in Connecticut. So I was like, oh, okay, you know. But uh, not so bad after all. Well, there you go. Well, there we come full circle, and uh, I mean, you know, you had a hell of a run, and uh, you know, hey, you got to put on a, you got drafted, you got to put an NHL jersey on, playing. Uh, yeah, it's preseason game, but hey, that preseason game, nonetheless, that's more than ninety nine percent of the world gets to do, and then uh, made a living for what eight nine years. You had a hell of a run, man. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Well, it's been. It's been fun following you on Twitter and seeing the old school hockey mentality. It's, I don't tweet any. I don't tweet much, but I, I read it. So I'm going to keep reading it. And well, I know keep keep battling the new age nerds. Well, I know you're on Twitter, and uh, I know I've kept you up late. I know you you like to go to bed early. You're hitting the gym, and uh, right. you know it was still rolling over there. But I was just before we let you go. Uh, how are you feeling these days? And what's Matt Nickerson up to? Well, I'm gonna get gonna head down to North, the Outer Banks, North Carolina, for a week here, and just drink some beers and eat some eat some good shitty food and relax for a week at the end of summer, and then uh, we get a we got the winter months coming and uh, doing furnaces, oil tanks, and so on, taking them out, you know, all the fun stuff. So the 40 hour work week is is not as much fun as playing ice hockey that is for sure so if you're out there playing hockey and you're still playing enjoy it man because you are going to greatly miss it when it's over no absolutely and uh no man this was a an absolute pleasure i'm glad we i'm so glad we finally got to do this i mean we had talked about it uh play and it was funny even on twitter i can remember when that when the incident happened i think it was that night or the night after talking to you on private message about what happened, and you're just like, "Oh, dude, this ain't good," <laughs> you know. And, yeah, and, uh, I had a feeling. Yeah, but uh, no, it's always uh, like I said. I've always enjoyed talking to you, and uh, I, I appreciate all the support over the years. And it was great to have you on the show finally. And hopefully, it's not the last time. I'd like to get you on again. Oh, <laughs> uh, we will. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, Darren. Appreciate appreciate you. All right, thank you very much, Matt. Appreciate it, and have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?